0: Welcome to another episode of Spark in the Dark. I'm your host, Dan Matha, and I hope you guys are out here living because you know I am. Oh, man. So I want to start this episode. Well, before we start this episode, I want to start with a little visualization process. The world is crazy. It's been crazy. We thought it was going to get less crazy. Seems to be getting more crazy. Lots of us are getting locked down again before the holidays. A lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of negative emotions. Easy to get lost in the sauce, right? I want, this is what I want us to do. I want you to get rid of any external stimulus, noise, whatever. Get it out of the way. I want you to sit and I want you to visualize. I want you to think about a time you were successful. Whether... It was something at work that you did really well or a sporting event or some sort of social gathering where you kind of came in and saved the day. Whatever it is, something that you did that you felt amazing afterwards. You just felt unstoppable. You felt on cloud nine. Now, I want you to get really specific. You got to get childlike with your imagination here. You need to think about who was there, what time of day it was. What was the smell? Was there wind? Was there overcast? Indoor? Outdoor? What was the carpet? How, what was, the, was, it, was it humid? Was it dry perspiration? Were you hungry? I want all of those feelings. I need you to work here. I need you to dig deep into that emotional center of yours. And I need you to transport yourself back to that very moment. Now I need you to remember that feeling. And feel that feeling. Embody that feeling. Now I want you to take your current goals, your current aspirations, and I need you to get just as specific as we got with this past one. I need you to visualize everything. Who, what, when, where? Are you getting a check? Who's handing it to you? Who's around? What are you doing with it? Are you closing on a house? Are you hugging or kissing somebody? Are you building, creating something? Whatever it is, I need you to get specific on all of the little minute details. And what I want you to do is take that emotion from the first exercise and carry it into the second exercise. I promise you, it is a very powerful technique. So, to the episode we got Cesar Bonani in the house ladies and gentlemen this was uh I always love talking to Cesar and this was just like uh this was like two men having just a, a a very manly conversation but not manly in the sense that you think about it and like the true sense of masculinity and you know masculinity gets a a bad rap for various reasons and I can get into that another time. But masculinity in its true form is is something that is beautiful. And Caesar in this episode we talk, you know, we talk about his hero's journey from Brazil to America from his humble beginnings to the WWE and everything in between, but he talks about, you know, he opens up, he really talks about uh, some of his insecurities and inadequacies, his mindset before and after and how he changed it. And, you know, he just talks about a lot of things you don't hear professional athletes, top performers talk about, and he just really dives into the psychology of it. And this was just an awesome conversation to have. I was privileged to be a part of it. And I hope that you guys feel the same after you get done, listening to it. So I won't waste any more of your time. We're going to get right to the good. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, spark in the dark. They ready for the truck. <laughs> <for> <laughs> <laughs> I take it she's been probably a little extra.
1: She is. She is. She's feeling a lot of lower back pain right now. It's actually the only thing that she's really experiencing that is bad during this pregnancy. She haven't, uh, like, throw up or felt dizzy or something like that. Nothing. No morning sickness. No. Zero, zero, zero. Uh, But right now, she's, like, over 20 pounds over her weight. She's still in great shape. I'm big. She's big as well. So it's going to be a big You baby. got a big baby in there, bro. Yeah, that's yeah, a big loaf of bread in it there, it bro. Yeah, it is. It, it, it. <laughs> its it got to be at least uh, three pounds already.
0: And how many weeks along 30. is she? 30. 30? Yeah. Okay. So you
1: know, we still got 10 weeks to go. And that's the time that the baby really starts to gain fat and grow. Uh, I was born with uh, 4.3 kilos, which is almost 10 pounds. Yeah. Almost there. So... And my mom wasn't, my parents weren't big as we are. Yeah. So I'm expecting at least the same <laughs> weight on, on this baby. Uh, but she had problems on her lower back before, uh, non-proper lifting yeah. during her uh, modeling career. She just wanted to hit weights and never really learned how to do. Proper Squads, technique, yeah.
0: strengthening the right muscles. Things
1: that we never actually learn. So yeah. I learned those things how to proper lift here in the United States. So and I've been lifting since I was 18.
0: Right. So, so this is your first baby, right? First baby. First congratulations. Baby.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Do you know the?
0: You know the gender? Yeah, it's a boy. Oh mm-hmm. shit! Mm-hmm. <laughs> we knew it. We knew it. We knew it. I
1: wanted. Everybody asked me like, "Oh, you want a boy or a girl?" And I was. Uh, I'm okay with both, but it really did me inside. I wanted a boy. You wanted a boy. Yeah, yeah. I wanted a boy. So when we find out, uh, I was super pumped. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Everybody wants a little wants a little version a little of me, themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Like I, I'm just so excited. Uh, never wanted to have a kid before. Uh, when we moved here to the United States, we were like, okay, here is a little bit easier and uh, safer. Place right. to have a kid, so let's try it. And we've been trying for four years. Yeah, just trying.
0: Where in Brazil are you from?
1: I'm from São Paulo, Brazil. Okay, biggest city in Brazil, like New York, uh, busy. I was just walking by right here, and I saw a lot of homeless, a guy getting arrested, and I was okay. So this feels like home. <laughs> 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 it's much. crazy
0: downtown Orlando, bro. Yeah, like the-, the homeless population down here has been rough for a while but i feel like through between them yeah with the pandemic, yeah, it with it the pandemic it's just exploded
1: yeah yeah i'm feeling like I, get, I live just by down the road It's like two miles from here it's not downtown but they they call it south downtown and uh i felt an increase as well of homeless people around where i live yeah and of course that is true pandemic gotta be true pandemic
0: so you feel, so you, you say so you, I just heard you talk about not feeling uh, safe raising a child back home. Yes. What, like maybe it enlightened me to like what, why it wouldn't be safe to do so.
1: There are a lot of, uh, first, it's not safe to anybody that lives there, like for tourism. Believe me, that's the best place to go. Not gonna happen anything with you. You're gonna have a lot of fun, great food, great people nothing's gonna happen to you, but you live in Brazil to like do your chores and uh, uh, go to work and do this every day. I've seen a lot of things. Yeah. I've seen, uh, ki- my sister was kidnapped. Uh, I've seen death. I've seen car stealing. I've seen it all.
0: It's the what? The kidnapping capital of the world, right? Brazil?
1: I don't know, but because uh, we have a, a different kind of kidnap, it's called flash kidnap. They just get you, get into your car, drive you to the bank, make you withdraw all, all your money, then drive you, drop you in a hole and leave, take the car with them. Damn. With your phone and everything. This is what happened to my sister. Like, and we were lucky that they did not did anything else to her. Right. She's a pretty woman. Uh, we're just lucky to that. And I, and I remember that day uh, she finally got to a public phone, called us, I went there to pick her up. Uh, We went to a um, police station to do everything that had to be done. They found out the car 30 minutes after that. It was right inside, like, on the beginning of of, a favela. A favela is a a slum. It's, It's a place that actually not even the police can get inside. Okay. And so we can see the car right there. I'm there with the cops, and I've seen guys walking by, like, and looking at us and just smiling, and I've seen the car right there. Uh, and I had a copy of the key, so I went there, picked the car myself, and left. Uh, and when I of course, I did not drive the car home, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. I drove right. it somewhere else, I drove it to my to my work, uh, and then uh, I was talking to my sister and so we were there, and cops could not get in, inside of the favela and was like not even a mile it was really close, like walking distance two minutes.
2: Why couldn't they get in?
1: they couldn't get in, and I, I just went there and did it. Yeah. Uh, and I told her, so there's this guy like this walking by, Th- that's the guy, Th- like the guy that kidnapped my sister was walking right, right by me in the, the coffin and smiling.
0: Just nothing no one could do about it.
1: Just like that, so this is one simple example about why I don't wanna have a kid in Brazil uh other things like i know that drugs are big here as well in brazil it's even worse uh gangs all these kind of things stuff from a big city because i'm from a big city as well right uh, those are bit so those are
0: like sao paulo is a huge ass city right yeah like bigger like, than new york city it's
1: like I, I think it's as big as new york okay. like in uh i used to take three hours to commute because of traffic and length Okay big city and all the cities around as well, make it even bigger. So if we we get greater, São Paulo is 25 million people living there. Yeah. I think that was 2016 the last time they counted. So it's a big city. Okay. Uh, It's a capital of money in South America. So uh, people from the north, people from the south, everybody goes to Brazil looking for opportunities, go to São Paulo looking for opportunities and to work with construction and whatever. So the city grows, exponentially yeah right so we have small uh streets a lot of people a lot of traffic everything that uh, that can make a good environment for crime and yeah all these kind of things
0: yeah i think something happens when you just jam-pack mad people on top of each mm-hmm. other right you kind of almost lose the like sense of community with people because it's like there's so many people the chances of you interacting with somebody and then ever seeing that person again is like it's so small Mm -hmm. so like you almost lose that sense of like community that sense of relationship with like your fellow man or woman and and like big cities right there're like you said a lot of opportunity to make monies, a lot of opportunities to commit crime right Because like I mean let's just look at it crime is just another way to com- like make money.
1: yeah, it's the easiest way to make money yeah right. <laughs> right. Yeah. fortune is not legal right <laughs> but it's the easiest way that's why uh, people commit crime right because uh, they I, I, I truly don't believe that oh I wanna do bad stuff I'm <sighs> to no I think the guys is struggling try to work, try to do this, try to do that. And his, his boss did something bad to him and, or whatever. Then he's in his last resort and I got nothing else to do. I'm gonna starve, I'm gonna have my baby starve. So I was still. yeah, Because there is no way the, uh, the educational system never taught me how to properly do stuff. And, and I didn't apply myself enough to learn what school was supposed to teach me, so this is the easiest way to go. Right, and people really go in that uh, uh, economical status, uh, the whole economical uh, system in Brazil, and the culture leads everything to that, to, to corruption, c- to crime, and to do the do the things the easiest way possible.
0: Right, there's something. Uh your environment too. Like some of, a lot of times crime is out of necessity, right? You're you're gonna go hungry. You're not gonna have a roof over your head. So it's like, yo, am I gonna go hungry or am I gonna steal this food from somebody, yeah. right? Or steal this money so that I can buy food. Uh, also, when you grow up in that environment, when crime is all you know, and like- This
1: is a normal thing.
0: You get desensitized yeah. to it, right? And it's just like, oh, you guys are you guys are pussies for following the rules and making money by, you know, having a boss, showing up to work from this and this time, only making this much money. Mm -hmm. It's like, yo, I've been shown another way, and it's like, yeah, there's a risk of going to jail, but, you know, I'm willing to take that risk because I've been desensitized to it. Whereas, like, other people who grow up in, uh, you know, where they don't grow up in that environment where crime is normal, they have a fear of committing crime because they don't want things taken away from them. they don't want to go to jail you know they don't want to have whatever the penalties come from committing such crimes so then it's just like yo it's just like two different mindsets one is one ha- like is operating um well and actually i take that i was going to say one's operating from a fear-based mindset and the other one's not but you could, you would, I would argue that they both are, are, are operating from a fear-based mindset, yeah, now that the, the I thought about it. Yeah, because the fear
1: is not to starve, not to go yeah. <laughs> to jail. Right. Uh, and, and you just say exactly, the environment helps a lot. So the favelas in Brazil is, is something way different than you can ever imagine. Yeah, so, uh, what, I, do, what are they? It's like a slum, favela, it's called favela. Favelas? Yeah. Uh, so, usually, it's a piece of land that somebody went there and built their house, like with bad wood, and just they just built their stuff without engineering, without architecture, without anything. They just built it because they found a piece of land. I'm gonna build my stuff right here. There's no water, there's no electricity, there isn't anything, right? right. Uh, and it, it just grows because oh, I moved to Sao Paulo, uh, I was living up north starving no water right here i have a home i have water i have a job oh things are doing good let me call my cousin hey man come on over there's work we can do it then this cousin come over builds on top of his house yeah no architecture no <laughs> <junior right here. laughs> i don't know how could it. you
0: imagine that in america could you uh, imagine, like somebody downtown Orlando, just building, like just getting a random lot of land and just building some shack? So,
1: i i can't I can't imagine how. And uh, that's that's not exactly the way it does. Uh, they usually build uh, in a in a place a little bit far away. Like okay. They, if you go to downtown São Paulo, there's no favelas in downtown okay. São Paulo. But uh, usually, uh, the good neighborhoods has a bad neighborhood close by. Yeah. And close to this bad neighborhood has a even worse, which is a favela. So this is, is exactly how it is. You're driving and you're going to a good neighborhood, then you're in a bad, then, oh my God, I'm inside a favela and I'm in danger. That's exactly, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how it is. So I, I've been living there in Sao Paulo. I lived there 28 years, right? And uh, not a bad neighborhood, not a good neighborhood. There was drugs down, down the street where I live. Uh, I was uh, lucky enough to have a, a father that was a teacher okay so he learned me he taught me uh me and my brothers how to stay away from drugs, so we never did drugs, none of our three siblings we never did anything stupid right uh we're not rich kids but not totally poor right and so we learned all these things, and we knew where the the bad place was we had friends that would go there, but we never went there with them uh, so I never got inside a favela until I was twenty four twenty five okay that uh I was at church and then we went to some mission inside the favela and brother is a different world. I never imagined how so close to me this amount of years that I live in this, that I am in this world, how are people living that way? In a city like Sao Paulo, that is a rich city. Right. I got inside of that. Of course, there's no streets. There's no, you cannot get in with cars. And you get inside and it's just like uh, wood barracks or tents, kind of like tents. And some houses are brick houses, but bad brick houses. Uh, there is no cement or asphalt or anything, even inside of the houses. You get inside the houses, there are walls and it's dirt. dirt inside of the house, right? And, uh, we went to visit this kid that was going to our church and I couldn't believe how clean she was living in that environment. Cause she would go to church, she was clean. She had white shoes and I thought so this is your house. Yeah, this is my house there's no way that you can have a white shoe living in this house because you live on dirt. There is one bed for you, your mother and your brother. There is one tap of water that you fill a bucket. Then you get this bucket on the, on the oven so it can warm the water for you to take a shower. Mm-hmm. And, and one tap of water for the whole house and the whole house is smaller than this. Right, And we see guys with guns, with rifles. Guns are not allowed in Brazil. So these guys got automatic rifles instead of the favelas.
0: Oh, there's no gu- there no guns allowed in Brazil. No guns
1: allowed in Brazil.
0: But there's guns in Brazil. There are
1: guns in Brazil. <laughs> right. uh, and you see like people coming in asking for prayers. And uh, this lady come in with two kids. And her nose is all white. And she's, please, do you have some food too? give it to us can you pray for us or do something please do something and the guy of course we were allowed by the the drug dealers to get inside of that because they knew that we were in a religious mission but uh, I was that changed my perspective of life Mm -hmm. because like I never thought that was that bad like the the there's people with so much money and people with so less money. So little. It's a a difference. I I don't think Americans will ever understand because I don't think a first-world country will allow something that to happen. That's why Brazil is still a third-world country because we allow that to happen. And we allow because we could change, but we don't. We don't. Corruption doesn't let us do this.
0: So... (laughs) So whoever, I mean, maybe this is good for whoever's out there listening right now, thinking, Mm -hmm. feeling sorry for themselves about how shitty of a day that Mm -hmm. they're having or Mm -hmm. lost a job or whatever circumstances that they're in. This might be uh, a good little something for them to listen to. It is. It's one of them adages. It's like the old adage, no matter how bad you think it is, someone else has it worst.
1: It is. And I'm I'm talking about Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is, is still a rich city. We still have a lot of favelas. If you go to the north of Brazil, there are places that people are really starving. Right. People were not supposed to be starving in 2020. Yeah. We're not supposed. No one. We have plenty of food. The amount of food that I've seen. uh, One thing that really got me when I got here in the United States that got me mad.
0: Hey man, hold this a little bit further out in front of you. Right here. Yeah, perfect.
1: One thing that really got me mad was people throwing food away. Mm-hmm. How much food is weighed here in the United States? Mm-hmm. How much, like, people don't finish their food, something that I I grow up like, hey, you cannot throw food away, you better eat it. That's how it was in my you, household. Or you eat it, or you don't take it. If it's in your plate, cannot go to trash, because mm-hmm. there's people that that wanted this food. And uh, right here, I've seen people like, Open up food, oh, I don't want this. Didn't even try, just look at it and threw it away. Like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, dude.
1: And there's people, I'm not even gonna say Africa. There's people in Venezuela, there's people in Brazil. Yeah. They're starving, it's starving. Like dying from that, from hunger.
0: You're right. Calor- like they're in such a caloric deficit that their yeah. body doesn't have sufficient nutrients, and then that their body ceases to function.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, th- this is something that, and and I don't know how, or if it's going to ever happen, like the end of hunger. I think road. it's. I
0: think it's going to happen. I think. I hope because I think we're because there's I forget the name of the site. There's a site that actually tracks. Um, it tracks world hunger, it tracks, uh, running water and electricity. And I, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it's like in the hundreds of thousands that every day people gain running water and electricity because of the advancements that are happening, you know, in, you know, in America and other like first world countries that are able to start building. And growing and then expanding that to the rest of the world. And I think that that's one of the reasons, uh, and not to get like political or anything like that, but one of the reasons that capitalism has been so beneficial to the world is that it it has spread wealth beyond the great, like beyond our possible imagination. To think that at one time, you know, like unless you were one of the most privileged people, you weren't guaranteed a meal unless you went out and hunted mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And like now there's people in first world countries that are poor that are fat.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. know what I mean? When people ask me, so there's poor people in the United States, like Brazilians, they ask me. And I say, they classify as poor, but I never saw a poor that fat.
0: Right. I grew, so I grew up in, I, I grew up in not a great, I grew up not in a very good neighborhoods, uh, the low socioeconomic bracket here in the United States. Grew up in a lot of trailer parks, trailer parks across the street from projects, shitty houses, like you name it. And it wasn't easy by any means. And it was definitely like a rough come up on my part. But as I got older and got to like learn about the world, whether it was, reading a history book, which a lot of you out there don't do enough. So I I, 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 highly recommend start getting those history books, being able to travel to other parts of the world and see other parts of the world and experience and like see real poverty. And it's just like, yo, what I went through suck, but like poor in America, isn't the same as like poor in other countries. Definitely. Poor people have in America have cell phones. <laughs> poor people in other so countries the, don't have water
1: the homeless uh around my building they stay there because there is uh, an electrical say? port yes electrical charge port. their phone so they stay there charging their phones
0: dude there's this home there's a couple homeless guys that hang out in front of the studio and i don't have a problem with them hanging out there except for a couple there's a couple that are they get, got aggressive one night and i had to i had to send them on their way um but Other than that, like I don't, like I don't got an issue, man. I get it. Yeah, I don't.
1: uh, uh, Like, of course, there are a lot more homeless in Brazil than here. Uh, Of course, I never been to New York, so I cannot. I I I should be able to compare better São Paulo to New York, not São Paulo. Well, California or California. Yeah, Yeah. Uh,
0: I think the warm weather has a lot to do with like homeless populations here in the United States cuz they had there was this there was this thing where there was governors and mayors and shit that were like putting together bus programs for the homeless people one way tickets Giving them like $2,000, $1,000 and shipping them off to like yep. California and Texas and shit. And it's just like, yo, that I, and there was like a big, like, there was like a big stink about it. And I think it like, I think it's illegal now to do that. But they were doing that at one point, yeah, shipping I, them off to warm more. stories places. about
1: that uh, on cities in Brazil as well. Oh, like okay. the best cities in the South of Brazil. Uh, most white population, okay. the south of Brazil, close to Argentina, where there's a lot of Germans. Okay, <laughs> so <there's>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's where they, a lot of the Germans came from after World War II, right? Yeah. they came yeah, to Argentina, they went to
1: Argentina yeah. and south of Brazil. Uh, so there's this the city called Curitiba, one of the biggest cities in Brazil, beautiful city. Uh, but I heard, I never, I don't know if it's true, but I heard exactly that, like. Uh, People from the north will get, oh, you got a place to stay? No, you got a job? No, get on the bus, on. Right. go to Sao Paulo.
0: How long, so how long were you living in Brazil? How long were you living in Sao Paulo before you came to the I States? lived my
1: whole life in Sao Paulo. Okay. Uh, just one year I lived uh, by the beach. That was 94. I lived by the beach. Then I got back to Sao Paulo. So I, I grew up in Sao Paulo. Uh, living two houses in Sao Paulo, so mostly the same neighborhood. Uh, but I know whole Sao Paulo, because I, I worked since I was 12, 13 years old, uh-huh. and I had to take documents downtown, so I know everything, I seen everything. Uh, I never got robbed <laughs> or anything in Brazil, which is, is something to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, that, like being in the streets and seeing everything going on, like I have like a spider sense or something like that. Yeah. So whatever it's called I'm, street
0: smarts bro yeah it's called street smarts. I, I
1: was walking with my wife and i was come here get your purse on my side uh-huh. and she was come on there's two guys just We're... waiting to pick your, your purse and there's so many people in the street that you're not even gonna see it right so just take
0: you got those master it. pickpocketers that'll yeah, just take something right up off you and you won't so even good.
1: know all the videos if you, if you just get pickpocketing in power paulo on youtube you're gonna see some great I'm going to have to look that they up. They got a great technique. So they usually they don't work by themselves, right? They work on three. So I'm right here walking with my purse. I'm looking at a lot of people. Like like you're walking like this, right? And then people behind me take away my stuff and push me. When they push me, they look behind the guy that is with me. I alri- already handled to him whatever I took from your purse. And I start to just curse the guy right there so i'm cursing the guy right there oh this guy pushed me into into you i'm so sorry and this other guy just went there damn with your stuff and damn. you're like oh my god and you're not even notice that you're missing something when you notice you just grab this guy that pushes you he doesn't have it anymore the other guy's gone
0: damn the bait and switch bro mm-hmm. the bait and switch mm-hmm. <sighs>
1: So many things going on. <laughs> like, uh, there's so many things. I seen it all.
0: What? Uh, so what you do and What were you doing? and like for work. Like what was your hustle uh, and Sa- so? Apollo? I
1: started working when I was 12, 13. I worked in an insurance company. Um, so I had to take the. By the time we were starting to have internet and all this good stuff, so many of the old school guys, my boss was old school. They still wanted to handle papers and do everything. So I had to do like, take the, uh, all the insurance policy, take to the insurance company or take to the client, get signed and take it to the insurance company, get everything there, Uh, take money to the bank, uh, do payments, do this or that. So I had to go all around downtown Sao Paulo. Uh, Then after that, I always loved cars. So uh, I quit that job to start, Working on a um, auto shop just to learn how to work on cars, yeah. And I did that for like one or two years. Uh, then when I turned 18, because we got a, everybody gotta enlist in Brazil. Every man gotta enlist to Brazil in the military when we turn 18. Okay. Uh, they may pick you up. They may not. So they nobody ever gives you a job um, if you're about to. 18 oh, okay because if you turn 18 you have to leave your job to go to military damn you have to uh and I'm, of course i did it. i wanted to go to military i did everything they told me not to do because they they pick the ones that don't want to go oh, okay so they told me uh don't go there wearing all black i went there wearing all black uh don't go there with long hair i left my hair all around uh don't go there in the last day because we have like a time frame don't go there in the last day i went on the last day they did not pick me up <laughs> they, they pick up whatever else uh so after that i just keep working with cars um i finally got into a company that uh do appraisals to vehicles to get insurance so if you want to get insurance in brazil it's not like here uh, you just call the co- insurance company hey i went i mean insurance on my car, okay, give me the VIN number, Uh, this is the VIN number, okay, your car got insurance. It's not easy like that, there's a lot of scams. So you have to take your car to a place that they take a look at the car and then they tell the insurance company, okay, the car is good, you can have insurance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So much theft.
1: Uh, Scams. Scams, okay. I've seen like people really changing the VIN number of the car. I have people coming in with a car and say, hey, this car is not the car that's gonna be insured. The car that's gonna be insured is crash. I got the VIN number right here in my man, my hand. He li- literally cut the VIN number of the other car. It was Damn. the same car, and he said, I'm gonna give you 2,000 bucks. You take pictures of this car and just say that it's this VIN number. And I was, okay, I do it. Of course I did it. As soon as the guy leave, hey, so I got this guy here. This is the number of the policy, blah, blah, blah. This guy did this, this and that. Right. You got to change me from this position. I cannot be working here anymore. <laughs> I'm in <laughs> danger right now. <laughs> and that's how I got a, a promotion. Uh, they took me to, to the, the main office. Damn. Yeah, because I was really in danger. Right. Uh, then I worked for like six years for this company. It was a big German company. Uh... Then they have a downsizing, they let me go. I started to work for their biggest uh, competitor, work there. Are you wrestling yet at this point? I did, I was, so I started wrestling when I was 18. Okay. I did for like one and a half year, then I stopped to play football. So all of this, this work stuff was going through my athletic career as well. Right, so you're
0: working and you're training training to become a professional wrestler.
1: Yes. Um, so, and finally WWE show up in Brazil saying, Hey, we're gonna scout in Brazil. And I didn't believe it, but they were, but everything worked out.
0: Who was scouting?
1: WWE. WWE. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause I, was, I know
0: you, I know you played American football. Yes, I did. In and Brazil. at that
1: time when they were scouting, I was playing football okay. and I quit as soon as WWE say that there's this opportunity of course like this for me was a dream that was never possible to be achieved cuz like I'm from Brazil so far away nobody knows who I am nobody knows what it is I don't have the resources to learn and move to the United States and like yeah. do whatever have to be done to get in there uh that that was literally um a dream that could never be achievable Falling into
0: my lap. Yeah. Literally. Well, dude, so it fell into your lap, though, because you were hustling.
1: Exactly. Because like, not- you
0: were working. You were working for, like, sometimes, I just had this conversation, but a lot of times people are like, I don't, Dan, I don't know what, like, I don't know what my passion is. I don't know what my goal is. I don't know what I'm working towards. Like, what do I do? What should I do? And a lot of people just sit around twiddling their thumbs, hoping for a handout but a lot of times it's not like if you could have an idea of what you want to do that's great that's awesome that makes everything a little bit easier right and you have a, at least a, an aiming point to work towards but you don't need to necessarily know what you're doing like you just need to be doing something, something. and if you're Over like working will
1: show up if you're ready yes
0: and so and I like I was ready I that, was ready that's why
1: that's why something
0: fell it fell into your lap right you yeah. know and then you were just ready to capitalize on it.
1: Yeah, it's just like a, a magnet or something like that, right? You have something in your mind, and even though you don't know how to get it, a, a magnet will pull it into you. Mm-hmm. And if you're ready, because the opportunity shows up every day, mm-hmm. every day there's an opportunity showing up. Uh, if you're ready, you take care of it, and it's gonna happen. And that- I was definitely ready.
0: That's important for people to hear is that opportunity happens every day. Every day. Whether it's a big opportunity or a little opportunity, apport- opportunity is happening for you every single day. And it's just on you to have the open-mindedness to see, feel, and take advantage of And if of
1: you it. don't have this open-mindedness, you're not going to see it. You're going to say, that oh, it doesn't happen to me. And that's okay if you don't see it every day. But it's not okay if you never, ever right. see it. Uh, I'm not gonna say that in the last six months it's been good. Huh, no, <laughs> I don't think yeah. it's been good for no. anybody, bro. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, so many lights, uh, waking up, and just by my me and God, and I'm just screaming. I wish I was screaming, did not scream because my wife was sleeping, but inside of me I was screaming, like why? Do something. Yeah. Let me do something. Let's go. Uh I think this But it's still inside of there there's still something that uh it's okay for some days. Oh I'm not good Th- today I'm not gonna do anything I can't do anything. Okay. This day you cannot do anything. Next day you better do something.
0: Mm-hmm. Dude. You better do something. I uh I feel like this time period, and you and I are kind of in somewhat similar, I think everybody maybe listening to this is, can relate to the past six, seven months Mm -hmm. being very frustrating, right? And feeling like everything's out of your control and there's nothing to do, right? Because I've had plenty of days and nights feeling the same way that you just explained right there, just being pissed off, like what? Or like, what is it that like, I want to do something, right? Like what? Yeah, well, it's like, sometimes it's like, you just like, when you quiet yourself and you just like, you start talking, whether it's you do your meditation or you're religious and you pray, in my opinion, not even in an opinion, it's the same shit, right? But like, whatever. So you're meditating, you're looking inward, you're praying to whatever deity that you believe in. And you're asking like, what, what am I lacking? What don't, what, am I, what don't I know that I need to know? What am I not doing that I need to do? And when you ask that question enough... It's,
1: it's, it's a powerful question. Uh, if you want to really know, if you don't want to really know, don't ask. Yeah.
0: <laughs> don't ask. And it's an important, it is an important question to ask that you should ask. Like, if you're not ready, like, figure out how to get ready get to ready, ask that question. Because yeah. that's the only way to get to where you need to be and in that process sometimes like you're not going to hear anything back like you're not going to hear a voice say Dan you fucked up here here and here like you need to do this this and this sometimes it's just very subtle little things that come into your life whether it's a person whether it's a person that's in your life for a long period of time a brief little glimpse and they and maybe it's not even them it's something they say or that they do that makes you think oh I'm lacking here, mm-hmm. or I could be better here, right? And sometimes that comes right away. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to just be okay with not being in control. Because I think that that's what this time period right now, when at least for me personally, this, this chaotic time is one of the things that it's teaching me is that I'm not in control. Mm-hmm. I'm not in control of shit, and I don't like that. It's hard for me it's to deal hard, with that. It's
1: hard. Of course, we as men, uh, we are learned to take control of everything. We got to provide your family, and I got a baby coming in, and I got to do this, this, and that. Uh, but through my, like, I'm a big Bible guy and big prayer guy, whatever a big church guy, yeah. as, as uh, people say. But one thing that God really asks us is to trust Him one hundred percent. He doesn't want ninety nine point ninety nine, right? Like. He asked you, lend it to my hands and let me take care of it. And we, are, we do this. Okay, you can take it, God. Take it. You have it. <laughs> okay? You got it. Take care now.
0: For those of you who are listening, he's, uh, he's giving me his phone, and then as I go to take it, he's not really letting no, go of it.
1: No, you, you got it, God. Thank you. Thank you. Now you're going to take care. Good. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's how I do.
0: That's a good analogy.
1: That's exactly how I do. And I see myself doing that so many times. And it's so hard to really trust and believe that uh, give away control or something, that things will work it out. Like this universe is not here just by luck or do you think that all the small particles got together and created oxygen that we gotta breathe and create water that we gotta drink? If there was one particle different, we wouldn't have air. We'll have something else. Right? Cannot be luck. Yeah. It cannot be luck. Everything is connected. Everything is gonna work out. Uh, we just gotta sometimes give away control and sometimes we gotta take control. Yeah. And that's it. We just gotta uh, find the balance on that
0: yeah yeah i think that's important to realize is we're not in control right you know the united states of america the greatest government nation empire that's ever existed right in history from a technological standpoint from a monetary standpoint from a military standpoint the greatest right in terms of just like sheer power and capability it has come to a halting crash, dude, over a, a, a virus. Virus it's completely the most powerful force that this planet has ever Let's seen out. It down. Has it's, come to a halting yeah. stop over the last six months. If that can be stopped, anything can be stopped. And sometimes it's not, it's not what you have to realize. I don't have control here. But there are certain things. I don't have control over what I can do here, here, and here. But there are some things that I have control of. I have control of my mind. I have control of my mind. I have control of my emotions. Now, that forces you to go inwards. And we live in a society that is rewarding the external. External. You need to make. You need to go to school. You need to get these grades so that you can get into this other school, so then you can get out of there and make this much money and buy this kind of car and marry this kind of person and and do this and do that. And everything is like external, external. I'll feel better when I have this and I have this. But all that shit doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. Like what are all these rich ass people that have everything? They're stuck in their houses too. You know, they're locked in there. They're dealing with COVID just like everyone they else is. They may die
1: from COVID as well. Right. Or just, oh, I'm staying too much in my home. I'm gonna sleep in my shower and hit my head on right. the toilet.
0: Right. What are, what are the important things though? What are the important things right now? Looking inward, dealing with your health, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health—those are the biggest things—and not enough people are talking about no, that right now. No. Like we've got a virus going on right
1: now. People are talking a lot about emotional and spiritual uh, yeah. health, but physical people doesn't talk that much. But we—we we live in this tree. We we are tree. We are a spirit. We are our mind, and we are a body. Yeah, we gotta take care of the tree. All three, and I really feel that for the less. Since I was born, nobody, like, oh, if you take too much care of your body, you don't take care of anything else, which is not true.
0: Yeah. Some people, so that, that, I think what that kind of comes from is you see a lot of people that only work on the physical, right? And they neglect the emotional, they neglect the spiritual, right? And you do see that a lot because there's this perception that if I, if I build, you know, this great body, if I'm jacked and I look good, I'm going to get all these women and people are going to like me and, uh, and all this success is going to come my way. But But do
1: do you believe that there's still people that think like that? Because all the, the people that are really fit that I know, like you, are really fit. Uh, I'm okay. You're fit. Uh,
0: you're fit, dude. That's so when I saw you, I was like, "Damn, bro, you're looking thick <laughs> and lean." I'm like, "All right, Caesar." Thanks, thanks. <laughs> twenty
1: pounds, twenty pounds in, and, and and all the, the people that I follow, they are going to that uh, three perspectives of life. They are taking care of their physical, their mind, and their spiritual. Yeah. And I I don't know anybody that is really fit and only takes care of their body. I don't know.
0: Well, I think what happens is to become fit, right? You have to, it f- almost becomes a tool for you to start realizing that you need to work on your mental, you need to work on your spiritual. And a lot of times working on the physical is the catalyst that propels you to start taking care of those other things. Mm-hmm. Because you the physical, is just a representation of like the internal, like the outside, the way I look, that comes from my mind, you know? Like that is my mind, like my body is a representation of my mind. And I'd say that about probably everybody that has a great physique. Like that is built through like mental fortitude and grit. Like you don't build a physique. That's a reason why physiques are so impressive. You know? It's like you can't buy it, you can't steal it, it can't be given okay. to you. You mm-hmm. can only you earn it, it by
1: yourself. And I, I grew up listening that oh jack guys are stupid. Jack guys are stupid. Everybody fit is stupid. And I never knew anyone like my dad was a PE teacher, but he wasn't jacked. He he, he knew how important what uh, what it is it is be fit you're being shaped he was not not fit nobody in my family was fit so i grew up listening you got to study you don't worry about getting healthy or getting fit because this is stupid stuff right first person that i learned that was really fit that that i had the experience to spend some time and i was like everybody is wrong because all things Think forever. Every person that is really fit was complete, like mind, spiritual, and physical. Yeah. I never met anyone that was like physically fit and stupid. Yeah. I never.
0: I'm sure there's some people. <laughs> I,
1: I never had that experience.
0: Right. No, I, I'm with you where I've, I think it's a negative stereotype. I think a lot of times intellectual people, people that are really smart, they feel like taking care of their body, like putting the time into their body is a waste. Yeah. And to me, I'm but just like, how are you? Hour
1: of my day, I'm <laughs> to hour. me,
0: I'm just like, how are you so smart yet so stupid that you can't realize exactly. the importance of taking care of the vessel that encases your brain? Especially when all of the science is out on all of the cognitive benefits that come from having a fit body. Mm-hmm right your cardiovascular system
1: my hormone system yeah
0: your hormonal system all that is so intertwined with your brain and then all the studies about when you know one of the best ways for students to learn is you know to learn right to sit in class read something and then right afterwards uh go work out in a high intensity type workout and it helps like in, ingrain what they just learned in their neural pathways at such a deeper and more efficient way that they can uptake that information better than if they didn't work out before
1: I never heard that but i'm doing right because i always read in the morning and go straight work yeah <laughs> so it's been working oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah <laughs>
0: and then it's just like the physical the you know we don't talk enough about physical health physical fitness right and a lot of times what happens is people get so wrapped up into how other people look, right? It's like, oh, this guy is much more jacked than I am. Or this girl has a better ass than I do. Or legs or abs or, or shoulders or or whatever it is, right? And they they see that and they worry about those things. But it's like, first of all, being fit isn't always about having a ton of muscle mass. Definitely. Muscle mass comes with becoming fit, but but everyone's genetics are different in terms of how much muscle you can put on second of all you're you're doing that external thing again right you're worrying about everything outside of you rather than the shit inside of you you should be thinking about how much water am i taking my nutrients how many am i getting quality nutrients into me micronutrients macronutrients and then most importantly sleep those are the big three, you know? If you can take care of those three, you're gonna your health is going to increase exponentially. Right. And then when you can take care of your internal, then it starts radiating out externally. It's,
1: it's everything comes from inside to the outside.
0: And it's not always fitness listen i love lifting weights i like pressing i like rowing i like lifting heavy shit i like burn i like doing real hard shit it's gonna make my muscles burn and i like building muscle right i like that that's cool but being fit being like getting in shape isn't necessarily going to the gym and lifting weights being fit, fit is going for a 30 minute walk g- dancing hiking, swimming, uh, kayaking, anything physical rock climbing, hike, like whatever you're into. That's like that causes you to increase your heart rate. And you can do that for 30 minutes or more. That is physical. Now there's a plethora of benefits that come from weight training that I think everybody should at least incorporate one or two days into their training. Right. But in terms of just being healthy,
1: just do something, move your body. Yes, move every day. E- uh, I went to the P college for two years, did not finish, but I had a great teacher, great, great te- He He actually went to school with my father. Okay. So he knew my father. And uh, one day he just asked, what is the best exercise that it is? Everybody, uh, swimming, swimming, cause you, you get your cardio, you get your everything. And I have read before that, Weightlifting is the only one that really increases your bone mass. Yeah, And then I drop all this like bone mass and this and this and that, and everybody's wrong. The best exercise is the one you like it. Yeah. Because you're gonna do it. huh. So I hate running. Most of my friends from church, they hate lifting, but they run, they bike, they bike for three hours. And then they ask me, how can I get like you? You're not gonna get because you don't do the same exercise. Yeah. Because you don't like it. But you're doing good. You're you're doing good. You're, if you're going for three hours on your bike, yeah. you're doing great. You're right. not doing good. Right. You're doing great, brother. Just keep doing whatever you like. Cause this way you will do it. I, I like lifting weights. I, I like the feeling. I yeah. like everything. I like the results. That's what I do. Just do move. Move your body. Do yeah. something. Do something that you like, my mom's like to dance. I, I always tell her, Go to dance, Go yeah, to dance classes every day, dude.
0: Dancing's a workout,
1: it is, it's so hard. You ever been to so like
0: any club I've ever been to where I'm dancing with a chick throughout the night? I'm drenched. Like, I went out in nice clothes and now they're bru- I got mm-hmm. they're getting washed. So, dancing is, is,
1: it is. it's cardio, bro. It is, it it's is. cardio for uh, sure. Uh, there's some soccer teams in Brazil that back in the 90s they start to have dance classes to their soccer players. And we could see the increase of the footwork yeah. on these guys just because they were having dancing classes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been like a very popular thing throughout like over the ages where like at least over the last 30 40 years in like athletics where people especially with men being like ah oh, dancing is like feminine right and then like
1: i wish i could dance
0: yeah and then guys getting into it and then their footwork increasing and them getting better at their sport i
1: remember uh, at the football times uh there was this fullback bro he was of course we were never very talented cuz uh i start when i started playing football nobody started knew anything, we had to learn by ourselves. Yeah. Uh, No Americans, nobody taught us anything. Uh, like a lot of different cities in in Brazil were learning the same way. And uh, the guys in Rio, they were playing the sand. So they were already stronger because they used to play in the sand. Right. And there was this fullback, he was like 300 pounds, fat. Big friend of mine, Miguel, big friend never work out in his life but he danced like i never seen a dancer like him he's 300 pounds right nobody could stop the guy because he was fast and he was strong and he never lived weight in his whole life
0: bro there's like so <laughs> there's like this perception that like fat people aren't good athletes but, but uh, i've come across some fat some fat motherfuckers <laughs> that, that have played sports who, like, just super strong, super athletic. You look at them, you would not think, but super skilled, mm-hmm. just able to move. They got all that extra weight on them, but still, like, they just...
1: That was, that was exactly me. They yeah. got that
0: footwork. They got the body control. They just, like, out of nowhere, you're just like, oh, damn, that person's dangerous.
1: Mm-hmm. And not many fat guys at football time were like this, because usually... Uh, our linemans were just really fat guys that never did anything. Right. And of course, they could never play any other sports. Oh, good. There's football. I can play something. But they were bad. Yeah. Like bad, bad, bad. From a whole line, we had like two good guys. Yeah. Every team had like. It's one a, dude, or two. people
0: think that like it you just could just be size. big. You just got to be big to play no. t- like offense, defensive line in football. And it's like, oh. Yeah, that's,
1: that's how I started to play. But I was way bigger and I was already fit. Yeah. when I started to play. And uh, there was in fact guys at the time when I started to play, it was just me like 240 pounds and the other guys was 180. Right. So of course I was killing everybody and have no idea how football worked. There was just putting me in the line. I d- had no idea if it was offense or defense. There's just hold this guy. And then next five plays now go through this guy, pick the guy. I had no idea what I was doing for right. four months and we won championships and everything because <laughs> it was such a different times. But then we really start to have like some really skilled athletes. And uh, five years after that, Americans show up and then we really start to learn. Right. Something. But we, we started late. Like I started to play football when I was 19. So
0: oh yeah, that is late.
1: It's really late. Uh, never playing sports before always.
0: football is a, such a american football is such a skilled sport people don't realize no. how much skill and then how much strategy is involved it's it's uh, it's like modern warfare yep. or not modern warfare it's like a, it's a modern version of ancient warfare mm-hmm You have your platoons and battalions. You have your commanders, captains, generals, leading and instructing, coaches from the sideline calling in plays, quarterback, you know, captaining everybody. It's such
1: a complex game that, uh, like, Brazil, the only sport that people know is soccer, and there's 21 rules in soccer. That's it. Right. It's a simple sport. So whatever you try to explain to someone, they're like, oh, stop. Yeah. Wait this guy cannot touch the ball, but this guy can. How? But how do you know? Like, what is going on right there? I just see guys hitting each Mm -hmm. other. Uh, There's this pre-concept that uh, uh, is a dumb man, dumb people sport, Yeah. because they think that it's only physical. Uh, But whatever, we start to try to explain to them, they see that, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think i'm the dumb one right it's a here. dude it's a thinking man it game is like sure. i i still i play for nine years right and uh, i know a lot about offense but i don't know anything about defense yeah i know how to read the positioning but if you ask me what is a nick or something like that i don't know like i would just say there's two safeties right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's four uh two dbs or no dbs uh, uh they're man oh man this all i knew like from the position that the guys were i knew it with, but like names of positioning and you no know, from defense, I don't know anything.
0: That's when you start getting that's that was like one of the big things. Once I got to college, was at that level, you needed to you to become a better offensive player, you needed you need to, to, to know learn. what the defense was doing, you needed to know what your opponents what their goals were what they were being taught on how to you know get an offensive player you know in my my position I played offensive tackle how to get an offensive tackle off off guard, off his footing, try to get underneath them. all these different techniques that they would use. The defenses they would do then, like no longer were they just going straight forward. They were slanting across your face, bringing guys across over top of them, oh, yeah. and then blitzing a safety off the edge and doing all this in like unison, right? And trying to disguise it. it's so it.
1: amazing when everything works like that. you see that. Bro, it's such a beautiful sport. I just love football. I yeah. miss playing it. I never watch it. I still don't watch it. I
0: don't watch it anymore
1: either. Uh, but I just love playing. I just love like, oh, we're gonna run until, and you see that it's not open, and then running back get right there, and they bang. Yeah. I right don't time it opens. It's just like, yes, it's almost <laughs> sexual. <laughs>
0: Dude, it's on. I always say like especially in football there's like games within the game and in particular oh, like the lines. the line so the line the front 7 yeah you know, is the game within the game and especially on offense you got five guys working in unison right they have and
1: whatever i watch football that's the only thing i keep my eyes on yeah
0: which is funny because if you're just a regular fan you never watch the line you follow the ball Mm-mm. But there's five guys ha, over half the team that are working and doing shit that you never see, and but if you have a trained eye and you know what to look for and you watch that and you see a well-oiled, well-operating and offensive you, line, it's like art, dude. It's one
1: out of sync, it's not gonna work. Gotta be all five, yeah. sometimes six with the tight end, and I just love it. Like every time was just a block play because I play tight end, I, I. I I love all the block plays, like uh, when, whenever I had to do some scream or if, or just lead for the, the running back. Ah, yeah. That was so good. best feeling ever when you're really running and you just feel the hand of the running back behind you and you know that he's, he's following you. Oh, yes. yeah, come with me, baby. <laughs> you're in the right place.
0: Uh, so foot, American football, you, WWE came in, And then you had, so that that gave you an opportunity to try out.
1: Yes. Right. Uh, And it was crazy because, as as I told you, I was playing football. The guy that trained me wrestling in Brazil, he was calling me every year to get back, every year. And I was was so into football right now. Sorry, not going to happen. And then one day he called me and said, hey, WWE is coming in for a scouting. Uh, They want a big guy. I don't have a big guy. You're in great shape. You look great uh, come back in, train for two months. They will be here, they will see you. And I, I didn't believe the guy. Like for me, it was such impossible thing to happen. Like WWE is going to Brazil to look for talent, to hire. It was so out of, uh, no, that's impossible. What day they're going? Oh, they coming April 24th, the day that I was getting married. Exactly the day I was getting married. So I just didn't believe. I said i'm getting married that day i cannot go and i was really in peace by myself like this is this is bull crap it's mm-hmm. not not gonna happen went to my wedding got drunk wasted uh my uh my uncle and aunt dropped me at the airport me and my wife went to uh uh for a honeymoon so twenty o- almost twenty four hours flight, right? Stop here, stop there, and we wasted. We were bad, <laughs> bad, 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 bad. So finally got to Cancun. Went to bed, sleep. First thing, sleep. Wake up the next day, got my Facebook. I see pictures of William Regal with my, my trainer from Brazil, and that I was oh my god, lost the opportunity of my life because I always wanted to move to the United States. Always, I try before not legally. Thank God it didn't happen. And I, I was just, my God. That what do you
0: said. mean not legally?
1: Yeah, I tried to just move here oh, okay. and stay. How? But just f- catching so, a flight? Yeah. Uh, I, I bought a ticket. I tried to get a, a tourist visa. Thank God they denied my tourist visa because if that happened, I wouldn't met my wife. I wouldn't be in the WWE. Everything works. God, it works in uh-huh. a mysterious Sometimes
0: way. things don't work out, so other shit can work mm-hmm.
1: out. I'm, I'm 100% good with that. Uh, so I just got my wife. I think I lost the opportunity of my my life. I don't know what's going on. Grab a phone, call the guy. He said, no, no, no problem. They came here. They look at the guys, didn't like anyone, ask about you. They're coming back in October. Can you be ready? I will be ready. <laughs> no problem. Just drop the phone, call the guys from the football team, hey, don't count on me for the Nationals. I played the state, but don't count on me on the Nationals. I'm out, I'm gonna train uh, wrestling, gonna get back there. And they were, oh, no, please don't do that. Please, please, no, I cannot. If it doesn't work, I get back. Right. So no problem. Uh, so four months of intense training, as I told you, I used to take three hours to commute. So. I was overweight because of football. I was 270. Okay. Um, so I had to burn at least 40 pounds on that. What are you right now? About 235? Just, no, I'm 260, bro. 260? I'm
0: 260, damn. Bro. Damn. My bad, bro. 235.
1: I was off 30 235 <laughs> was when uh, last time you saw me. <laughs> I, I got to be 255. Okay. Or something like that. I was okay. 260. Uh, so. I used to take three hours to commute. I wake up four in the morning, 40 minutes of cardio on the streets. Get back, go to work. I'll get at work at eight o'clock. Uh, go to the bathroom. Nobody's in the office. I go to the bathroom, do two tabatas. take a shower, work, uh, lunch. There was a jujitsu... For those
0: of you who don't know, Tabata is like a, a cardio, a very intense, yeah, cardio-esque workout.
1: It says 20 seconds working, 10 seconds resting, four minutes. I used to do two. It's, if you do it right, you only need one. Right.
0: Dudes t- on a shit break, dudes in there working out. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So my lunch break, uh, I'll go to the Jiu Jitsu gym right across the street, train my rows, train my back bumps, did this and that take a shower, eat something, get back to work, three hours back to home, nine o'clock I'm at home, go to the gym, work out, uh, get all my meals ready, midnight go to sleep, wake up four o'clock, cardio, three hours commute, get at work, Tabata, work, train, did, doing this for four months, lost 40 pounds. Um, finally had the chance to work, they gave me good friend of mine to work the day that uh, uh canyon and regal was there everything worked good uh i was the only one that spoke a little bit of english not not saying that my english is good right now but it was uh it was bad at the time but i could speak to them uh regal just said hey I'll see you in january and i knew that i, I was going to the tryout. Oh yeah Now it's a different game, right? Because I was competing with myself and the other guys from the Brazilian Federation. That was definitely, at that time, not physically my level. Now they are way better. But at that time, they were definitely not my level. Right now, I'm going to a WWE tryout. Right now, I'm gonna have, like, guys from the NFL.
0: Cream of the crop.
1: Yeah, I was never, ever, ever a professional athlete, I never learned how to squat, I never learned how to bench. Bad shoulders because of bad benching, bad knees because of bad squatting. Squatting,
0: yeah, self taught,
1: self taught. But I'm going, I'm going, I get there. Uh, small tryout, me plus six Brazilians
0: now. So, what does that feel like being so not having that pedigree, right? You don't, you know, you're a big dude, you're you know, you're you're a great athlete in your own right, right? Very tall well-built, good-looking motherfucker, you know what I mean? But you didn't have that professional athlete pedigree. Nope. Does that cause any anxiety, any Absolutely. doubt- Absolutely. That you had to like work through?
1: Absolutely. Uh, even more when I got there and I really see the guys that are on the tryouts, right? So it was just eight guys, small tryout. Uh, me, five other Brazilians, professional MMA fighters. Mm-hmm. Machines. Right. Two, uh, I r- feel
0: like you're just, bo- in Brazil, you're just born, you're born, as soon as you're born, you like get a gi and then you get taught like <laughs> BJJ, right?
1: <laughs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. Or, or you, you go to soccer or you go to BJJ. Yeah. <laughs> Something, I, I did some BJJ, but not much. Uh, so I got there. There's two uh, rugby Australian players, professional as well. Me, like I look like crap close to these guys, right? Cause they are, and you can st- call it follower years mm-hmm. and all these kind of things and I was, in my head I was nobody wants this this is my child dream because I watched wrestling since I was 6, 7 years old mm-hmm. and I watched the Brazilian yeah. wrestling and I like this, I love this they are here for an opportunity a pretty good opportunity but they don't want it as I want so this is mine and I'm not going to stop at that time, I could do six push-ups. During my tryout, I did over thirty non-stop, and I could never do over six because I was like dying. No, this is mine. I'm never gonna stop. This is mine. I never. This was my whole mindset during these three days. Uh, this guy's not gonna get what is mine. Uh, they don't want it as I want.
0: Say that uh, one more time. For it's, people, you never, you couldn't do more than six push-ups I at one time. Do,
1: I couldn't do more than six push-ups But when you were time, at the tryout. Over 30. Over 30 nonstop.
0: Because you flipped something in your brain.
1: I, I, I definitely flipped something in my brain. And I was going, like, with guys like Arturo. bro. His freaking machine. They were, they were, <laughs> They were watching him and, like, laughing, trying to make him blow out, and he never did. Right. And, of course, I did, but I never showed. And uh, two Australian guys quit on the second day like i couldn't they could not go right and i was these guys they definitely don't want it. that's what
0: those tryouts are though they're yeah they're they're, they're there to see if they can because they know most people unless you have like psychos that like can't physically be broken right there's certain you know there's few out there but most people are going to be they're going to break down physically yeah yep. and, and they did and they know that they're not worried that you're going to break down physically. And,
1: and I think exactly that's why I got that, because I did not got broke. And it was such a mind work for months and months before, because it was not just when I got there. Right. I had to work a lot on my, uh, my anxieties because I got bullied my whole life. Uh, never played any sports, got beat by school, uh, got beat at school, got beat at the streets because I could never play soccer. So I was far away from sports, mostly my whole life. And I had to, bad grades, and it got beat by my dad because of my bad grades. All these kind of things. So I, I, w- I never thought I was worth of getting something. And I had to change my mindset. Like, okay, now I'm married. I got the chance of move to the United States that I always wanted because I liked the culture there more than in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I cannot lose this opportunity, and I was praying and I was changing my mindset every day. Every day I was working on myself and asking for God to change my mind, and that really happened. That that was the time that when I got there, I had a like a bulletproof mindset.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Nothing was stopping me down, and that went to my body because I didn't feel anything for three days and was. As soon as they say, good job, guys, really good, thank you very much, my knees shake. I could not lift my arms like this. And I was doing stuff two minutes ago mm-hmm. and I, everything just crashed. So it was really a switch. <laughs> like, oh, I don't need to be like this uh, anymore, boom.
0: Bro, the mind, the mind is such it's a powerful, powerful tool if you learn how to control it.
1: Powerful, powerful. And all these kind of things, like I learned from people that I met at football, mostly Americans, because they have this uh, different uh, mindset. Because most of the Americans that they were there, they were there in Brazil to do business, but they like football and they play in college. So they wanted to do something. So their mindset is way different than the mindset of a Brazilian. And I took this advantage. I I wanna know their mindset, Mm -hmm. not what they have, in the field. I wanna know what they have in their mind. Mm-hmm. So I learned that with Americans and with British that I learned, that I met in uh, football. And then I just applied that to myself. And it works, it works. <laughs> it's hard work, but it works.
0: Bro. So I think that's key for people that don't, that feel like they don't have, you know, uh, what do you, they don't have uh, they don't have mentors. That's the word I'm looking for. They don't have a mentor. They don't have a big brother, or dad, or somebody to show them did. the way. Right? I never
1: did. A lot but of us I, don't. I, I was looking for someone.
0: But if you're right, you took like you. So you you didn't let your pride. You didn't let your ego. You didn't let any negative emotions or woes getting away? You saw people that were doing shit that you wanted to do and you were like, yo, how are you doing that?
1: And, and I remember the day that I decided like to really change, right? Uh, so when I started to play football, my brother never got into football. My brother had great grades. Amazing soccer player, amazing basketball player, amazing volleyball player, amazing jiu jitsu, strong, not tall as I am, but he's like 6'3", but right. his, uh, his nickname is Dinosaur, so <laughs> you can't imagine how this guy is. Amazing, right? And always, my whole life, got compared to him, never liked it, because I was never good at any things that he was good. So I always, when I turned 14, 15, I started to go to church, uh, I started to walk with different people than him because this way, people don't compare me to him. I don't have to deal with that. And um, and I kind of hide that, right? Started play football. He was, football sucks. Uh, you're playing flag football because uh, first couple of years we played flag football. Okay. And he di- But we, we still had contact. Right. This sucks. That Blah, blah, blah. This isn't that. No, no, no. Some day he show up and of course I was killing at the time. He show up and he killed it. First day, so good. All the attention on him. So I have no attention anymore, right? Uh-huh. All the attention on him. But I, right now I did not suck. I was still good. Yeah. So it was always like whenever we played together, like he was playing as fullback and I was playing as uh, tight end. It just was a run on our side guaranteed three yards guaranteed. Right. So when we worked together, nobody could beat us. But of course there was that competition better than me. I'm better than him, better than him, better than that. Um, until one day, uh, I was going to every train, every practice. It was Sunday mornings. Is he older or younger? One year older. Okay. So, uh, at that time we were practicing. Our head coach was British, but he played football. Um, And we, it was like one and a half hour from home. Uh, I was the only one that had cars. So I was going through the whole north section of Sao Paulo, getting like five guys, getting five guys on my car, driving everybody to the south section, other side of the city to train, then getting everybody back. Right, busting my car, suspension was done. Uh, of course, football <laughs> right, players, yeah. everybody was like uh-huh. 250 at least. That thing was sagging. Yeah, that thing bad, was sagging. bad, 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 bad. Uh, and a lot of days my brother just didn't want to go to practice because he was just so good. Right, He really thought that I'm, I'm, I'm too good, I don't need to go to practice. You're gonna put me in the game and I'm gonna kill it. And he would kill it, whatever he was put in the game. But I never skipped practice and I got there Really early in the morning, cold, ready to practice. First one to come. My coach comes to me, hey, how's it going? Where's the best part of you? I'm here, ready to go. Want to learn, get better? No, no, I'm talking about your brother. Where's your brother? He didn't want to come. He went out last night. Didn't want to wake up early. It's your job to bring your brother every time. That's your job that that was hard. Yeah. That was hard, hard that I did not say anything about that for one year to anybody. But that changed myself. That was, oh yeah, Yeah, that's the best part of me. You're gonna see it. Uh huh. And then I bang, I was training, 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 my mind was bang, bang, bang. Every, in, not in just football, but everything in my life started to, I, I applied that uh in every aspect of my life and everything got started to get better finally uh i got way better than my brother in football i was captain of the national football team he was never even invited of course
0: he wasn't showing up
1: he wasn't showing up talent
0: talent only takes you so far exactly talent only takes you so far beats talent always you never never underestimate the ability to train never underestimate your ability for skill acquisition there's going to be people that are going to be like your brother that are just going to wake up and be better than you i've seen so many people that can run like the wind jump over buildings, strong as a you know as a bulldozer but whether they don't have the right mentality or right discipline or everything's come so easy to them they don't think that they have to show up and at a certain point, you may have the skill to play, but when the game gets hard and the game always does get hard. And
1: that, that was exactly when I show up. Right. When the game got hard, when the, when the guys were cheating so much and the referees didn't like me, didn't like my team. And they were all over me. They were all over my team and everybody's getting mad. And I had to control everybody. Right. Things that I, When I had to tell my brother, hey, get out of the field gonna play this one because you're taking everybody out of their mind we cannot do it we feel here right we don't need you right now i I got you that point that you said I said
0: that to your brother
1: yes and I had to because he was taking everybody out of their mind right we could not concentrate ourselves
0: that's the importance of having a a cohesive team
1: yeah no matter how and, good and he he was like in his mind he was so good that he could play by himself. That he did every everyone that made a mistake, he would go all over this guy. And I was no, that was our mistake. Those
0: are cancers.
1: And then I had to hey, as a captain I went to my uh my uh my coach, you put me as a captain. We having a problem. We need to do something. I want to take him out for a bit. Because this is his the best player we have. But we are losing because of him. He's thinking everybody out of their mind. And he never got back to play. But our team got good. Hell yeah. Right? That I had to do something. I had. There's something that has, had to be done. And uh, Where
0: did you find that within yourself to be able to do that?
1: When... When my coach put me in a captain position, I felt that I, I had to take a step that nobody had the balls to Right. because everybody knew that he was so good. But I was ready to be the one to blame, like take him out. We're yeah. going to do good. That's on me.
0: That's I, a part I, of leadership.
1: You, you're, you gave me the captain position. I never asked you anything to do it. I'm asking right now. We, we don't need this right now. And what's the only thing that me as a captain that I asked to to happen, Damn. the only thing. All the other things, like I never was the guy that hyped everybody up. I was never got. I, I was just a guy that on field will be with you. I, I would never bring any magical word or encouragement word or something like that. I was just a guy that, oh, I know I can trust this guy. And I never wanted anybody to come to me and say, hey, I trust you, or I just wanted people to feel comfortable close to me. And I I really think that I did that. Because if I had not achieved that, I would never be uh, asked to be captain of the national team. And that was something that I could never imagine that would happen. Like, I was just a shy boy that got bullied, got beat, got did everything, and never going to represent my country as the captain of a team. That was pretty sweet. That was pretty cool. To happen.
0: You bu- so you built, you built, so you had these insecurities, but through that hard work, right, you kept, you made promises to yourself. You kept those promises, small wins, build and upon stacked themselves, up. stack them up, right. You started earning leadership positions on the team. You think that, that that experience in football helped you have the confidence to take yourself to the tryout and be like, these guys may be higher caliber athletes than I am, but I belong to be here just as much as anybody?
1: Without football, without everything I learned in football, I will never be here. Never, ever, ever, ever. I learned so many things, things that I didn't learn in college and didn't learn at home with my teacher mm-hmm. father I never learned at streets. I never learned at any job position that I have. Football taught me the, the importance of small, everyday habits. You keep doing, you keep doing, you're getting better. And then you win something and you take that and you always remember that. And then you win something else and you stack that and you, whenever you're feeling bad, you just look back and you see all the I did some cool stuff. I can do some good stuff. I can do even better. So football taught me that, taught me that I can uh, improve, that I can get better, that I always can get better, that I am never gonna be good enough, but I should never stop trying to get better. This I learned on football, 100%. And I don't have any savings. I spend a lot of money playing football. Brazil's a big country, the United States. Equipment was by ourselves. We had to pay for equipment. We had to pay monthly fee for the team so the team can still work.
0: You weren't getting paid.
1: We had to pay for our travels, ticket flights. Many times, a lot of players could not afford. We had to pay for other players. And I don't regret a cent because everything I learned during the football times and every cent I spent, it got back to me. Not in money right now. Someday will will come even bigger. And it's day by day it's getting closer. But all the things I learned through football was worth it. Just way more than worth it.
0: It's crazy. You've got to, like, especially men out there. I mean, this applies to women too. But, like, when you're, when you're coming up, You've got to put work in early on skill acquisition.
1: I did not have that chance.
0: Whether it's... I I
1: did that late and you still can't do it late.
0: Yeah, it's never too late. But as you're coming up, you don't have value. Especially as a man, you don't have value early on, right? Women have value in society because they are the life bringers of... The human race, right? So you, they have value right off the bat, right? Men, you don't have value until you can start providing, whether for your family or for the society, right? You're a great engineer, mechanic, whatever it is. You have a skill that can help, right? But you have to develop those skills. You have to kind of separate yourself from all of your friends that want to go out and party and do all of these things and I'm not saying you got to live like a monk right but you have to know that for these next X amount of years I'm going to have to get super disciplined I'm going to have to get super focused I'm going to need to say yes to as many opportunities and to everything that I say yes I have to keep myself accountable to hold my like keep my word and work hard to develop these skills so that one day all of those skills that I I didn't see any rewards for, didn't see any monetary value for, an opportunity is gonna fall in your lap, right? That is going to come your way that's gonna allow you to start making Mm -hmm. money, to allow you to increase your status, to allow you to start bringing in different, you know, women are gonna start seeing value in you. Companies are gonna see value in you. If you want to build your own business, now you're gonna have all of the skills because you've worked for other people who have owned businesses, You've seen how they've operated, the do's and the don'ts. You've built skills in a bunch of different areas. Now you're able to now put yourself in a leadership position, start your own business, build that up, hire other people, teach them, bring them along the way. But it takes time. It takes it takes all of that time, all of that hard work in the dark, right? That mm-hmm. trench digging. Nobody sees it. Nobody sees it. That's like the overnight success yep. bullshit, yep, right? And
1: yeah. what One of the the phrases, the sentences that uh, my British coach ever told me and never get out of my mind is, uh, knowledge doesn't take any room in your in your head. So bring as many as you want. Just keep learning, keep every. and one day everything's gonna connect or something's gonna connect. Mm-hmm. And you have all this knowledge, all this information that is useful, that you learn, that you know how it works because you, being into that situation, you really know how it feels, how it smells, how, how it tastes, because you try that. You know how it is. And whatever you're going to need, it you can just get that back because you know how it is.
0: Right. You have the experience, you've tasted it before. Mm-hmm. So, WWE tryout, they were like, hey, we're hiring you probably what, nine months or something like that? You had to wait before you reported to Orlando? Yeah,
1: something like that. It was like three months until they finally sent an email saying that it was approved. Of course they say like, okay, it's gonna be um, 12 weeks. Friday of the 12th week at six (laughs) o'clock. We got the email saying that got approved. Now I need a bunch of Information about you. This isn't that. Got to check the FBI if you're not a mm-hmm. terrorist or something. Yeah. Blah blah blah.
0: It's a pretty extensive background it check. Is. You've got to go through
1: more twelve weeks. Friday of the twelfth week. Uh, then you stanky. have to do
0: the medical background. Then check.
1: I, I had to come here to Orlando to the, uh, the medical. Did a medical in Orlando. Got back. So I just got married. Right, mm-hmm. than one year. Everything is new in my home. My wife had never been to the United States, had no idea how Orlando is. She loves Sao Paulo. She's, she was a model, so can imagine that she knows everybody. She knows the cool places. She knows the, this, this, and that. Uh, finally, we moved to Orlando, got here. She's like, oh my God, where I am There is nothing in this street. Nobody's walking in this street, it's so hot. And uh, I cannot hit a, I cannot even read a- Street signs. Street signs yeah. or anything like that, cause in, of course. It was hard at the beginning. Really hard. Right. They say that I was gonna pay some amount of money, you get there, uh gonna pay you five thousand to help you move. And I was okay, gonna sell my stuff at home, everything is new. Sold half of them people pay, half of them people did not pay. Get the money here, currency is so bad. It's like everything I own in Brazil when I get here is like two thousand bucks. Damn. Then I got here, they said they're gonna help us with five grand. I was okay, five grand, I can buy a 4,000 car and get my rent in and we, we'll live. I get here and they're gonna give me two thousand. Uh, the other three thousand they are taking away from my visa fees. Ah. Yeah, but still, I still want like almost more five grand to them that they're taking away every week, so I'm getting 600 bucks every week. There's me and my wife in a different country. uh, Different, everything changed in my life. The only thing that did not change in my life was my wife. The language that I speak, the money I use, the car I drive, the house I leave, the job I have, everything changed. Uh, So we're living in this apartment with a mattress that was donated. We got two pens, two plates for three months. And a uh, uh, 100 th- car, like really bad. Right. And we are going, my wife is feeling sick because she's misses home. And uh, for six months was really hard because we like making 600 a week, we could literally, we were going to buy food for the week. And if we eat it all, that's it. Yeah. We were so lucky that we have a big Brazilian community here that they help us a lot because at the WWE, nobody helped us. Yeah. No, uh, nobody helped me to get my driver's license. Nobody helped me to open a bank account to have my social security. Number. I have to do everything by myself. Of course, it was new. Probably one of the first internationals to come in. They were lost. They're still lost. <laughs> uh, right now, it's way better. When international comes in, they have six months right. rent paid. Uh, there's someone that drives them all around. I never did have anything like that. Uh, people was really... We started in the same day. Yeah, we so did. you remember how it was yeah, bro. back in that time. It was like it was it bad. Was My English was bad. I, I understand everything. I could understand everything. Uh, I wanted to say words that I could never make the sounds of. Okay. Because I never tried. So I knew how to write, how to read, and how to listen. But I never practiced speaking. Yeah, and I never thought I needed because I thought I, I knew enough, but then at the time that I needed to say something, I could never say it, and I still mistake a lot of uh, the verb times. Imagine at the time, so anybody asked me something, I would, and people didn't gave me a chance to explain myself. Right, that made made even worse. So I was getting beat it was up. It's probably like, a
0: bit of. Uh, fright as well to like fuck up a word as well too you yes. know what I mean that yes. like oh, I don't want to say this wrong and I mean
1: I would say it wrong even if I didn't want to say wrong I'll say wrong and I never had a chance like I knew it that I had to say it wrong yeah that was the problem I was like that was not what I wanted to say no no, no stop I don't want to hear any, any more words coming out of your mouth shut up shut up like I did not even had a chance right. to correct myself so I was getting beat up at work. I would get home. I would get beat up at home. Hey, brother!
0: English speakers were getting beat up too. So it didn't matter. It really didn't matter what language no, I, you were I was speaking. Getting
1: not just not just in English. I was getting beat beat up. I was, Actually, time, beat up. I was beat up because <laughs> we were taking like forty bumps a day, bro. Then if you take a wrong bump, you have to listen like a sermon. Yeah. Then if you step with your left foot on the floor instead of with your right first, somebody will see it and will come and scream at you. And I don't even know what they're screaming about. Right. If you, why, why are you breathing so much? Why are you not smiling? What are you talking about why I'm not smiling? <laughs> I have no idea what <laughs> I'm going through. Like I'll go home right now, my wife is crying. My wife's gonna, gonna go back home. Yep. My wife don't wanna stay with me.
0: That's something that I realized there early on was so many people from different walks of life, they get jam packed into this training center that's like hyper competitive. And most people are like atypical athletes that are just like very competitive then you get jam-packed into this like weird world that's like people don't like there's all these unwritten rules that nobody tells you about mm-hmm. until you break them then they yell at you and then like people then there's like the mind games that people like to play and the manipulation and all that like real high school petty bullshit yeah. that takes place yeah. and like you know it's show business-esque world that you know all that you got all those little sociopathic narcissists that like you know that are doing whatever weird shit that they're doing to like the new people that are coming in and then you are beating the shit out of your body just like not even not even um uh with like ill intention just the process of learning how to wrestle right hitting like just hitting the ropes People think that that shit is fun. Those are fucking boat ropes I was, wrapped with tape. Yeah, I, I like was, you have it, boat it, mark, you have rope marks on your back for a month straight when you exactly. first start practicing.
1: And if you just stop training for two months and you get back, you're going to get it again.
0: I haven't been in a ring since March, so, so I can only imagine whenever I get back in there what it's going to be. It's going to happen. Yeah. It happened
1: to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what's just so Like what's hard to adapt? definitely was really hard to adapt. Yeah. And, uh, it's just me and my wife, there's nobody close. Uh, everybody told us, don't get close to Brazilians because Brazilians are gonna scam you. And uh, we truly really believe that. Even though we did not need it to like, work with Brazilians, so there's no way that we could get scammed by other Brazilians. Right. We believe that, so.
0: You kept it, your distance?
1: I. C- that was my mistake that I did. Yeah. Because we were feeling alone. We were feeling, little alone. We, we did not have money to do anything. It took me two and a half years to go to a amusement park, living in Orlando, <laughs> because like money was so short that I could not yeah. do anything like that. It, it took me a long time for them to really help me up a little bit. Like, oh hey, here's a raise. You're right. It took me almost two years. So I was getting 600 bucks for like six months, a week. Then when I finally got paid off, it felt like a raise cause I was getting 750. <laughs> oh <So laughs> good, <laughs> I, I, I can buy a TV right now. Right. <laughs> but I cannot get cable. <laughs> uh, and and that, that how it was, like it was hard at the beginning, but that also helped me to build my character even more. That uh, strained my relationship with my wife because we were like, that was a time that we look at each other, hey, it's just us two. If it's not us two, it's gonna be just you or me and we gotta get together on this. We gotta ask God to help us out with that. And uh, strengthen our relationship with him and by ourselves because it's not gonna work. If it's not gonna be like that, it's not gonna work. Right. But that helped us out so much. And right now, me and my wife we've been married for seven years and it's like, well, I just look at her and she knows what it is. She looks at me, I know what it is. Uh, That really helped us learn about each other and love each other even more.
0: Well, those trials and tribulations really test a relationship. Yeah, it did,
1: it did. And it was not something that, like, I was never disrespectful to her, Untruthful, and she did the same, but was just uh, difficult aspects of life. Like, going, like, she said, I want to have an ice cream, and I could not take her out to have an ice cream. There were weeks that uh, I have to pick if I'll buy soap or shampoo. I bought soap, uh, shampoo, so this way we can wash our head and our body. Right. And uh, of course, and I'll look at her and I knew that she didn't like it. And she was not like disappointed or mad, she was sad. Yeah. That's even worse. Like, it's I,
0: gotta be hard too, as a man to-
1: I wasn't like, my God, I cannot buy- Provide. Soap to my wife. And
0: but then I, it doesn't help that you're on the road no, or at, exactly. at the performance center. I'm
1: Three days a week come out and she's by herself. Right. And I'm, I got the car. Just locked down at the apartment, right? And there's, Orlando is not a city like São Paulo. You just take a bus or no, take a subway and go anywhere. No, you don't. You just stay there. So, uh, like, my wife is just so strong. She just helped me out so much that. I could never be here without her as well. Uh, so, all all that we've been through, is just lead us to where we are right now. That we are in a good place, like we we trust each other, we trust God. We're so happy, so happy that we are about to have a kid, mm-hmm. our first kid. Uh, in a <laughs> very hard times as well, it probably uh, close to when we got here. But uh, all the, the things that we went before brought us um, trust that God is taking care of us, and I. Being six months unemployed, I cannot complain. Mm-hmm. God has been taking care. God has been taking care of me in a way. Uh, do, do, I, we still got time. Like before I got fired, right? WWE is my dream job. Always wanted to be here. Of course, I was frustrated. Of course. Right. Absolutely. So frustrated. Every day praying, why God help me out? What am I doing I have to do something. If I have to do something, what it is, God? What is my problem? Why it's not working? This is waking up in the middle of the night. Same thing. You know, I always in the morning do my devotionals, read the Bible. Some part talks to me. I stop in there, meditate, pray, and God always talks to me because I'm connected to him so much because I do this every day that my eyes are open and I can feel and talk to him this day that i'm bad i'm really bad like i have no idea what to do and uh i read my devotional and got to the book of numbers in the book of numbers there are some parts that is just name of the families and like three chapters it's just uh daniel is son of caesar son of marcus son of blah 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 three chapters right so there's nothing that i can take out of this right and I'll, come on, God, please talk to me. And I had to drink my coffee. I got inside the bathroom, of course. I drink coffee, uh-huh. I gotta go there. Uh-huh. As I got there, my phone ring. It's my best man for my wedding. I don't talk to him for over two years. He's living in um, um, London. Okay. And he's doing delivery, right? Like uh, Uber Eats, something like that. And he just stopped and said, hey, man. Got time? Yeah, I do. God just taught me, stop right here, call Caesar, and say this, this, and this to him. And then he asked me, how is your work? And I was, it's bad. I have no idea how it's going on. Uh, I have no idea what to do. I, this is my dream, but I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know. I don't know, I just don't know. And he said, so I gotta say, because God told me to say, so I gotta say. God is closing a your door. You're probably gonna be fired from your from your job. But don't worry, because God is taking care of everything. He's gonna turn your life upside down. And you, you can ever imagine how good things got, how good it's gonna be the things that God will do in your life.
0: Wait, he said this before you got fired.
1: The next day, I got fired.
0: Oh shit.
1: The next day I got fired, right? So it was like, I knew it, that was happening. Of course it was bad. Right. Because right now, okay, how how am I going to provide? But I still gotta remember that God is saying that it's gonna take care of everything. So during this process of time, like I got 30 days to decide if I go back to Brazil or if I try to apply a different visa to stay here. I don't wanna go back to Brazil, but I also don't wanna do something that God doesn't want me to do. So mm-hmm. I'm asking God, lead me. What am I going to do? What do I have to do? And I'm not doing anything for one week, right? And then I finally got the clear message, knock on doors, knock on doors. The door that is gonna open, you get in. And I was okay. so. I'm gonna knock on doors, i gonna call an attorney to see what are the possibilities, what can we do? So I called this attorney, and of course I had t- talked to WWE before about applying for a green card. They never wanted to help me out with that, say that my case wasn't strong enough. Uh, that was better for me to stay on P1 visa, which is the, uh, my wife cannot work any place. I can only work to WWE if they fire me, I gotta get back there was a little bit of interest mm-hmm. in on them having me on that instead of a green card so i called this attorney he said this so there's two options you got a eb2 visa which is a uh, uh, exceptional abilities which applies to you you're well known and anywhere uh you got exceptional abilities on sports and arts this is in that or we can just apply for a uh, uh, student visa, then you gotta go to a study English and you just can stay here and work part time. Of course, I don't want that. Right. Oh, okay, so let's go for the ZB2. There's one problem. The ZB2 is closed, nobody can apply for it, and we don't know when it's gonna open. And I was, okay, I knocked the door. I knocked the door, right? But still, there's this student visa stuff. So, I'm there waiting two, three more days. Then I wake up one day, pick my phone. First email, email from the attorney. I don't know what happened, but EB2 is open. You can apply for it right now. Like that. He had no idea. Then my wife wakes up and I, hey baby, uh, you want a good news? EB2 is open. And she said, oh, you got news? I got news too. And she showed me the test, that she's pregnant. And we've been trying for four years.
2: No shit.
1: And uh, I never wanted to have a kid if it wasn't in the United States. Right. So it was another way that God said, hey, you're applying for this visa. That is the visa that you want, that you need. And you told me that you only want to have a kid if it's in the United States. So here it is. you're having a kid. So go for it, I'll take care of everything. And you're having a kid here in the United States, the way you ask. So you ask me to like, tell me what what you want, this is what you want. So we're applying for the EB2 visa. Everything's working good. Uh, I got my work permit. Of course, it's it's a hard process. Uh, Baby's growing up, great my f- my fridge is fuller than ever and I'm not working for six months. I have no idea how it is Actually I have idea I know All that right. it's God working on me because he promised and uh, different from myself that I don't take the promise that I do God always is there for his promises so I'm living in this faith uh, environment, I'm walking by faith right now, uh, and things are working in a, in a good way to get better, so I, I just say to my wife, like, 2020 is about to change from the worst year to the best year ever, because we're about to have our kid in December, uh, work-wise, things are going okay, uh, it's is looking good.
0: What do you, so what are you doing? So you're, you're walking by faith, right? You're, yeah. you're giving all your trust to God and, and he's holding his promises, right? Mm-hmm. But what are you doing mm-hmm. to uphold your part right now during quarantine?
1: So what I'm doing, I'm praying every day. Of course, there are days that i my anxieties and my depression mm-hmm. beats me up, but that's the time that I always remember my faith and that God's taking care of me. Mm-hmm. There are days that I cannot do anything, but what I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to my future. So I cannot work any other um, place than sports or arts, right? right? So I gotta, if in my my visa uh, petition says that I'm good at this, so if I'm good at this, why don't I leave on this? So I cannot like just drive Uber or right. work. I, There was something scheduled, but you're training.
0: But you're training. I'm
1: training. I'm eating. I'm meditating. I'm praying. I'm preparing myself. I'm studying. Yeah, I'm doing my part.
0: You're 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 still working towards continuing to wrestle, right? I, I
1: what, first thing when I left Brazil, the same thing I did with football that was helping to increase in Brazil, I want to do it with wrestling. So when I left there, I left this promise that I'll do the same that i did with football when i started playing football nobody knew what it was right now football is the second most watched sport in brazil and i had my finger on that i had my part i did my part
3: mm-hmm.
1: i want to do that with wrestling as well right now wrestling is not very big in brazil people like people really my family when they ask them what i do they say oh he wrestles wwe not he wrestles for WWE. They Mm -hmm. think that WWE is wrestling. Right. So we need to break this in Brazil and uh, rebuild and make better in Brazil as well. Not just Brazil, but whole South America. So my personal goal is to make it grow, make the wrestlers better in Brazil, make the promotions better in Brazil, uh, and I cannot do that in Brazil. I have to get my name here. I have to know people that want to invest to make it big in Brazil. Okay. So I'm still gonna stay in wrestling because I still have a lot to do here. Uh, I have to have a big name enough that people in Brazil can notice. And then when they notice, I gotta say, oh, this is happening in Brazil as well. Because Brazilians only pay attention, whatever is happening outside of Brazil. So like on surf, uh, nobody knew that there was surf competition, a Brazilian one, everybody loves it, everybody watches. it. So someone gotta do something here for it to explodes there. So I wanna work on these two things. So I wanna make my name big enough here. So people in Brazil, hey, hey there's a Brazilian right there. And I can say, hey, yes, I am right here, but there's stuff going on in Brazil as well and i want to make it grow
0: right you're trying to inspire some young brazilian yep Yep. yeah he did this and this from where i'm from i can do that too. and this
1: is what i do like there is brazilian uh companies in brazil doing wrestling and i just man i want to help you i want to teach you everything i learned here right because that's the same way that football was in brazil that there's nobody there to teach They are doing by themselves. They are watching it. They think they are doing the right stuff. Well,
0: there wouldn't be anybody more qualified to go back, you know what I mean, to teach than you.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean,
0: that's – so, like, five years in the WWE, right?
1: I I had to learn something, right? right.
0: Well, but more importantly – so, it's, like, five years, right? But it's five years in the WWE at the Performance Center. So, I mean, it. you could argue that it's really, you know, what people – five years of wrestling – outside of the wwe and five years inside of the wwe or is almost like expert like two to three times the amount you're like doubling or tripling the experience you would and we're learning with the
1: best yeah we're learning with guys like terry taylor Shawn michaels right they are big names that did something in this business
0: yeah you're i mean you're working with the best of the world right on all regards whether past present or future, you're training with the best sports entertainers in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're with them every single day. Right. And you're you're everything's wrestling all the time. Fucking twelve hour days training, two, three times in the performance center, getting in your car real quick, driving two hours away, putting up a ring, having a show, tearing it down, rinse, repeat.
1: And you learn with all these things as well. Yeah. You learn with all these things. Like setting up the ring and you're just talking to this guy and you get some information that maybe a coach was trying to tell you you couldn't understand and this guy tells you in a different way and it just clicks yeah Oh, no, now i know that that happens all the time like all this these hours that we spent training i was talking to one of the guys that uh that i used to train in brazil and uh of course they did not have much access to our matches so and i wasn't really very good when i was in brazil and some of them got really mad that i got picked because they really thought that i should not be picked WWE because I was not good enough. Yeah. Uh and they still was like three or four years after I was there, they're still thinking that they were better and that I did not get better. Then finally went to Chile for the tryouts and I had a match over there and they were, Oh my god, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, bro, I have over ten thousand hours of training. Right. If I wasn't good. They, <laughs> I, I would really I would mad. have lost my job by yeah. now if I wasn't I, good. I wouldn't get you. I wouldn't get you ten thousand hours if I wasn't good. If yeah. I wasn't learning, I, I'm putting hours. Like we're training six hours a day, and then traveling and doing everything. All of that count. Even though we're traveling, we're talking about wrestling. We're learning. We're doing. Yeah. So we we are. It, it's like a at least eight to twelve hours a day. Sometimes get 12 hours a day.
0: It's a time of warp of training.
1: And you're, you're learning. If, if you're exposed to that amount of time, even though if you don't get good, you're going to learn. Even if you, you cannot do it, you know how. Yeah. How it is. And then this guy was like, man, I never thought about that. How many hours do you train? You know, yeah, you're training like two hours a week, right? Three, so you have like one training session Saturday morning. It's like three hours. How long is it going to take for you to get to 10,000 hours? Yeah. And he was like, Man, I'm never going to get good. And, and I said, Yeah.
0: You just got to train more days. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: how, how can I do it? I don't know. Just, just do it. You never asked me. You never came to me and, Hey, can you watch a match with me? Right. And tell me what you think. Or you never came to me and said, Hey, so in this match, this is not happen. What do you think about that? You never did that. Because you think you know enough. Yeah. I don't know enough. If I don't know enough that I'm here learning, I don't know enough to be on TV. (laughs) (laughs) If I don't know enough to be on TV, (laughs) do you think that you know, you in Brazil, that you just watch stuff and you repeat it on the ring?
0: Right. You got to get more hours in. You got to get more hours in. And you got to figure out how. And it might not be easy.
1: How am I going to move to the United States? I don't know. Figure it out. Figure it out. Uh, Get some money. Bro, I live in Orlando. You can stay three months in my house if you find a place to train. I want to help. I'll do that. Can you do it? I don't know. It's too expensive. Yes, it is. Is your dream? How expensive is your dream? Right. You want to try it or not? And the, the the trainer over there, he always said like, he, uh, "Yeah, he didn't got in the WWE because he was the best. He got in the WWE because he woke up at five o'clock and went to street to the cardio, even though he had to take three hours to commute. And whatever he get there, right. he were working out at the sh- at the at the bathroom. And then again, he was working out at lunchtime and again at night. That's why he got there. It's something that." It's just out of the Brazilian mindset. Something that I learned on football because it's not Brazilian mindset.
0: Gotta get them hours in. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta get, get them in. hours you in. Get in. You gotta get good before you can get paid. Yep. You gotta get good before you can start getting recognized. And, it that, just, and,
1: and I'm seeing like all the things that I learned in these five years, I had a lot of chances to apply in the last three weeks. And it was really good to know that I know stuff because ha- for this five years, I've been told that I don't know stuff. And then I went there this last three weeks and oh.
0: Where, I you mean, you're stuff. talking about AEW? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I saw So I saw you had, uh, what, they have a YouTube pre-show yeah, uh, series that they do right which yeah. we'd call dark matches in the business but like they do this cool little thing where it's like yo you get these pre-show youtube matches for guys that maybe they're trying out or young talent they want to see that maybe will have a potential to get on the show i saw you uh i saw a couple different things i saw you do some well the first one of the things i saw i was actually watching right before you got here um, that sick-ass spot where it was like duck, like dude took off, hit the ropes, ducked one cross body, you caught it. And then you turned and homeboy jumped off the top rope into a herkarana position, which for those of you who are listening and don't know what that is, it's where you jump, wrap your legs around someone's head, then fulcrum your body down and throw them onto the ground. They go like a somersault, but Cesar caught the one guy. The other dude went to do the Herkarana move. He caught him on top of them, which they were both two little dudes. But I imagine one eighty,
1: yeah, they got one eighty apiece, two hundred apiece. So
0: like that's four hundred plus pounds moving in a in a ring that's bouncing, and then slams both. Of them. It was a sick little spot. I was, was like, eyes, damn. Was. I was like, damn. That's a cool ass spot. I'm gonna <laughs> put that in my back pocket in case I need it. Uh, yeah. And so I saw that, and then I saw, I saw you working with Billy Gunn, too. Yes, that I was did. probably a pretty cool experience.
1: It was, it was. So uh, as, as you asked me as well, like, I never stopped. Of course, I never stopped. Uh, even before I got my papers, I went back to training. As soon as uh, Flatback School, which is Sean Spears, Ty Dillinger, and uh, Tyler Breeze School, mm-hmm. got open again after the pandemic, I hit them up. Hey man, I wanna train. They don't know me. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know you don't know me. I wanna train. I wanna know how it works. And they say, man, this may be too too, uh, novice to you, because we are getting people that never got experience. And I told him, I don't care. I wanna get ring time. I need to know people. I need to know you guys. I need you guys to know me. I need connections, because I wanna work, and I don't know anybody outside of WWE, right. this is what I want. And they told me their price. And I told them, I have no idea how to pay that because I'm unemployed, what can we do? And they, you do whatever you want, however you want. And I still want their money, but I've been working there. Uh, they have like an eight week course. I did the first eight week course, uh, was great. I learned so many things that I never learned at the WWE, so many things. Like I never learned how to do a false finish. Over there, in eight weeks, I was doing matches with three, four false finishes. Right? Uh, I learned so many things. Uh, learned so many people. Uh, learned. I. I, um, I met Billy Gunn and his their sons over there because one of their sons is learning. Okay. The other one is pretty good as well. So we train together. Uh, Billy Gunn's being like a mentor to me as well cuz he got our size a lot of experience Hall of Famer right cannot say yeah and one of the you know so great good. workers of his era so good and um whatever I got my papers first thing just hit up Ty Dillinger Ronnie and he got me contact with the guys from AW, they invite me over I went there they treat me so good Different environment that I had no idea how to behave. <laughs> I had no. I was like in the WWE, looking not much people in the eyes. I have no idea what to do. Until one point, one of the refs just came to me, "Hey, dude, you're not in the other place anymore. Just relax, talk to people. Everybody's cool right here. Right, and it's true. Everybody's cool. Everybody talk to you.
3: Uh,
1: Tony Khan called me by the name. Right from far away. Hey, Cesar, how are you? And like, such right. culture a shock environment. <laughs> and um, I was really fortunate to work with Billy. Nobody ever put me over as he did. Ever, ever. Yeah. Uh, so good. Simple match. But fun. Learned a lot of things. Could do a lot of things. Like, he respected my size. Like, I was never seen as a big guy in the WWE. Right. And I go there, and I'm just working as a big guy, which is so easy, so easy. I took one bump in the match. It's like nice. in three weeks, I took three bumps. <laughs> three bumps, <laughs> that's it. Three matches, three bumps, so good. In uh, all the other matches as well, like I got treated so good. Uh, and I feel that people want to, want to wrestle. They just wanna use you to get themselves over. Yeah. That was really good aspect that, uh, that I got right there. Like that spot wasn't my idea. I had a way simpler spot in my mind. And then Lucha Bros, which one of the best tag teams in the world, they said, yeah, dude. Talking, speaking in Spanish. No hacemos eso? Why don't you do that? And I was like, really? Like you're giving that to me. Right. Like I in my head, I still had the, I'm not worth mentality because I listened to that for five years. Yeah. No, yeah, let's do it. Okay. And we did and worked great because we were working together. They were light, even though they're like two hundred pounds each. Yeah. They were so light. Everybody was safe. Everybody was good. Great match. All the three matches. No problem at all. It's just. It brought me back to why I love, why I love and like and live. And want to you stay in this business? Like, it was really good. Uh, like a reaffirmation of what I wanted to do. Yeah. It was really, really cool. And hopefully something good will, will happen in the next weeks or months. Right. Now.
0: Hell yeah. I'm just, I'm
1: just excited.
0: I'm happy to hear that, dude. I've always thought, uh, I always, you know, I always thought you were a talented dude. I thought you had something to offer the wrestling world. Sometimes, you know, in the in the WWE, that culture is just such a weird culture. It's just so much ego. It's like it's. I, so I've I've gotten really big into. I, I've always been a dog person, and I've always kind of had like a natural like way of communicating. Like I've always like even when I was younger, I trained my family's dogs for the most part, once I hit a certain age. And then I had dogs um, through like my young adulthood that like I really dove into like reading books and learning from people on how to train dogs, right. Because dogs are different than humans, they're canines, right? Which people don't realize that. They try to treat dogs how they would treat humans. They're canines they're pack creatures. You've got to treat them differently than you treat them humans. Not to say that you need to treat them like shit, but like they just, they need discipline. They need rules and organization and they need you to be a leader Mm -hmm. and not like their emotional support creature or you're, they're not your emotional support creature. Right. But what you learn about dogs is there's different types of dogs. So the breed, a lot of people think it's the breed and the temperament. Right. And there's some genetic factors, right. But like most dogs are. They're a, a dog's uniqueness is its individual's uniqueness, right? Just like humans, it's like you're you're not different because you're Brazilian. You're different because you had a different life experience, some di- some different genetic code, right? I'm different because of my genetic code and like my energy and like that's what makes us different. We're different humans, not like I'm a white guy, you're a Brazilian guy, right? That's the same with dogs. But there are dogs that have high energy, medium energy, low energy. There's dogs that are front-of-the-pack dogs. There's dogs that are middle-of-the-pack dogs. And then there's back-of-the-pack dogs. Now, the pack is important, right? You got to keep the pack together. But in the WWE, they don't want front-of-the-pack dogs. They want middle-of-the-pack dogs. They want back-of-the-pack dogs. And if you're a front-of-the-pack dog, they're going to try and dominate you to the point that you become a middle yep. of the pack dog. And it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's if you're fr- work. front of the pack dogs, some, some break, some break. And we're back with a little technical difficulty, little amateur mistake on my part, but we got it taken care of. I was saying about packs dogs, right? In the WWE, they don't want front of the pack dogs they want middle of the pack dogs now the problem of this oh this is what i was saying front of the pack dogs can't become middle or back of the pack dogs like you may be able to break them but they're no longer useful so you're either going to break them and they're not going to be a very useful uh commodity to the company or they're going to leave they're going to go find a different pack that, Absolutely. that values Absolutely. their leadership or their skills or whatever value that they bring to the company?
1: I don't think that uh, they knew exactly what they were doing or they still doing at the, at the PC. Of course, they have the best resources that you can ever find in this world to make whatever they want on this wrestling business. Uh, when we got there, the PC was new. Yeah. Right now, PC is not new anymore. So there are some things that should be fixed during this five time. Oh, yeah, enough. for sure. Uh, because there are some people that went out of there straight from the PC and are big stars right now. There is. But h- what is that percentage? How many? I think you can count in one.
0: Yeah, you're talking about how many people that have come straight, Straight, like with no wrestling experience, come into the performance center, and then uh, end up becoming wrestling stars.
1: Stars, not not the rest. Someone that is a star right Right. There are, I think we can count on one hand.
0: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Let's not say names.
1: But uh, it's a good system. It was supposed to be the best system, but it's not the best system
0: i always said so like my biggest gripe was they don't they're so just because you were good at what you did right so just because you were good at your sport your industry doesn't make you a good teacher and i think there aren't a lot of good teachers there I think there's guys that can give you good good experience. They can tell you how they did things. But there's only a few actual good coaches in terms of actually being able to teach. And that's not like a knock on anybody. Just some people aren't good like teaching, it's coaching, a skill, yeah. it's a skill. And like that goes to actual teacher, educational teachers as well, like and why that job is so important. Like just because you can go to school to get a bachelor's in education doesn't mean that you're going to be a good teacher doesn't mean you're going to be able to communicate and and teach people some of the best coaches i had in football didn't play football or weren't great football players themselves and i think that there's a lot of that that takes on there and then there's just like i don't know the the system there it's like it's not, you know, it's show business. Everything's, like, uh, subjective.
1: Yeah, art is subjective, so.
0: Right, and then it's not, it's just, you know, whoever and the gatekeeper, the guy who's in charge.
1: And, of course, like, most of my ideas is based on my life experience, which is great part of that is on my culture. Nobody knows the Brazilian culture. So right. if I tell you a lot of things, you're not going to understand and what I listen the most there was like i don't understand it doesn't make sense yeah because it's not your culture well there is My a lot culture. of you want to understand there is a movie that i can show do you want to watch them do you have two hours to watch a movie right no
0: there's a lot of closed-mindedness when it comes to uh in that place because it's like this is the way that it's always been done and this is the way the guy in charge wants it to be and Nobody wants to rock the boat or think outside of the box. They're just going to do, they're going to follow the path of least resistance, which is doing exactly what they're told to do without
1: hoping not to get fired.
0: Hoping, Yeah, there's a lot of people there hoping not to get fired. And just they're just doing it exactly how they're like, that they think they'll get the least amount of resistance. They're not actually trying to step outside of the box not try anything new like everything is super formatted uniform but this on is our
1: classes what our coaches would say was exactly the opposite uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but then we were watching tvs and like everything is the same but you told me not to do that you told me not to do that why they're doing this why they're doing this and that this is why you taught us at class at a, in the ring or in a school session, not to do, and they are doing, yeah, and they are striving, and we are not doing because you told us not to do, and that we're gonna strive if we not do it, but we're not doing. why are we not striving
0: right it's there's a lot of hypocrisy, I don't
1: think it's hypocrisy, I think it's they don't know like what the coaches teach, like the the ones that are really in charge, right. I don't think they don't know what the coaches teach. No. And I don't know. I, I think this is one of the, the, the biggest things that goes in my mind. Like I don't think they, they know what we learn.
0: There's a disconnect for sure between people in charge, decision makers, and then the coaches. And there's no right or wrong when it comes to wrestling unless the right and wrong comes to how the fans react that's how you know whether what's right or wrong but then you go into a classroom you watch film and then you have some guy judging everything saying like this is wrong this is wrong and then you know this was right and this was right but i don't know was it wrong because they were reacting to it
1: yeah everybody was going nuts yeah
0: i don't know you know like i i was it i don't know i couldn't tell it was hard to hear out there <laughs> you know <laughs> i had a hard time hearing anything out there you know so i don't know if that was wrong or not um but yeah it's just that's a crazy world there and it's just i don't i don't think it's uh in my opinion and i don't i don't i haven't i haven't done i haven't gone off. i haven't i have a lot. You know, I mean, you know, you know me, I know, you, I you, know know it, me. you know how I, know. I feel. I, I haven't, it,
1: Daniel.
0: <laughs> I haven't gone off in public with some of my, uh, I don't
1: think it should.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, I don't want to. I had, I, cause like there was as much as, as much as there was, as much as I was disgruntled with a lot of things that kind of took place there, especially towards the end, like me asking for my release and all that, and just wanting to get out of the company and them not giving it to me until after my car accident, uh, was there was a lot, a, a lot to be disgruntled about, a lot of things for me to be frustrated about. But there was so much good that came from my five years exactly, that were there, exactly. you know? That's
1: exactly what I said. Like I learned so many things right there that all the bad things just go by. Yeah. And I'm gonna apply the, the things that I learned somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and dude, the, the things that we learn. They work, yeah. Trust me, mm-hmm. they work. Cause I can tell the difference from who was at the WWE before, who was not. It's like you, you can t- if you watch it, you can tell as well, right? It's night and day, yeah. Like the way they look at the camera, the way they stand in the ring. This is something that we learn right there. How? Yeah. There. People don't learn that out out of the WWE. Right. There's no place that teach that. Right.
0: Yeah. It's, you can't separate the good from the bad. So it's like I'm not even gonna and all the bad. It's already out there. All the shit that yeah, we're, we're gonna. Not
1: gonna co- say anything. Yeah. Theories.
0: Anything that we could complain about, people have already complained about or are complaining about. Like there's nothing new going on or old. It's the same shit that's happening. Right. It just. So happened to be that it didn't, it just didn't work out for me, right? Yeah. Didn't work out for you there. And that's just, uh, and, and, and I, I see it in a
1: different way. It's not that it didn't work out, it worked out for four and a half years. Right. That was the time there was that. Uh, yeah. It worked out for four and a half years. Right. And it's going to work out wherever I go.
0: That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to look at
1: it. It's just like a relationship. They say, ah, oh, this relationship didn't work. I was with this girl for two years. No, it was good for two years. Then was not. Yeah. Because we, it cannot be bad for two years. If it's bad for two years, there's, how can you yeah. make something that bad last that long? It was good for four and a half years. Yeah, it was really good. We have the up and downs, but it was good. Time is over. Let's
0: go to next. Hell yeah. Every relationship happens for a reason, whether short or long. Yeah. Some people yeah. are there quicker. Some people are there longer. Hell yeah, man. Yes. I appreciate 100%. you. I appreciate you being on the show. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. It is. Let's go. I, uh, yeah, we're like two, almost two and a half hours deep, man. Time's flying. That's good. Thank uh, you for
1: having me here, man. Yeah, I think I said that before, and I think you're going high in this place with podcasts and anything. You're a great talker. Uh, you have a lot of, um, you're intelligent, man. Uh, you know how to separate good things from bad things. So you you bring a lot of good things to the table. I watch your, I listen to your podcast every time, every one that you post it. I appreciate that. Uh, Because there's just good thing and I know that you're gonna reach higher grounds, brother. You you just, you're gonna get there. I have no doubt that I like, like, I trust you. I know that you can do it. I remember that one day you told me that your dream car is a Hummer H1. Mm -hmm. And I send you a picture of one because I believe that someday you're going to have that. I truly believe I like just waiting for the day that you call me and say, Hey, Caesar, mm-hmm. let's go take a ride. Mm-hmm. I'll pick you I'm up, bro. A, I'm going to pick you I, up. I'm and just I waiting for that. Cause I, I truly believe that uh, you're, you're going to places. You're definitely going to places.
0: I appreciate that, man. I've uh, like you, I'm in that weird place right now where uh, things aren't, Things aren't happening the way you thought they were. You would like them to, and times are hard, right? But nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares about how you're, you know what I mean? I'm just going to keep working. I'm going to keep building. I'm going to keep plugging away. And I I feel it. Like, I've been saying this for a little bit, but, like, something's on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Something big is on the horizon for me. I don't know when it's coming or where it's going to come from, but I know it's coming soon. And I know I'm gonna be ready for. I
1: it. have no doubts on that. No doubts on that because you're you're put, you always put the work in, uh, and just like in my life happened a lot of times. I was just ready when the opportunity yeah. pops up, and you are ready. As soon as the opportunity pops up, you're gonna get it. I have no doubts. I trust in you. I trust in your abilities, and I'm happy that you're doing all these things. I'm happy to see all this, uh, all, all all these things that you are building. Like this, all, all the things that you have here, this is like professional great stuff. You, ha- you guys have no idea. <laughs> how <it is>. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking I'm lo- like in a big TV uh, set right here. There's so many cool things right here, and uh, this shows that you are interested in making it big. If if that you are investing on in this, you're even though the hearts are time, the, the times are hard. You're still plenty of work. You're bringing people here. You're Doing recording and you're doing all the work, like you're putting video and sound together, then editing everything, and you're doing your social media, which is a great work you do right there as well. So you're, it's just question of time. Man. Yeah, you know that it's question of time. It's gonna happen. There's no way that it cannot happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. it. Uh, <sighs> when times get tough, the tough get going, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just like you, I feel. Especially after the accident, the car accident I was in, I feel like that was a sign. It was a sign from, you know, whether you want to call it God, the universe, mystic forces. Like, I don't know what it was, bro. The creator, whatever. But something that day bigger than me decided, like, it wasn't my time to go. And not only was it not my time to go, like, he wasn't going to take anything from me. Right. Because like if that accident, you put that accident, no circumstances in a simulator and you run it a thousand times, nine hundred ninety nine times. I'm not sitting here right now Mm -hmm. talking to you. Mm -hmm.
1: There is one um, one good sentence just to pick on that. uh, That I really like it. Like we have a God has a plan for our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. How do I know if I did the plan that God had in my life? If I'm still breathing, I still did not. So, if you're still breathing, you still have a big plan right here. So you just keep going, keep doing, keep trusting God, Creator, whatever. He's gonna use you. He will. He, you're part of His plan. You're loved by Him. Like you can never imagine how much I can never imagine. I'm about to imagine, because I'm about to have a son and I already love him so much that I have no idea how, mm-hmm. but God loves us even more because he gave his son to us and he has a plan for us and he takes care of us. And I have no idea he has big, big plans, huge, like, ooh, Daniel <laughs> made the plans for <laughs> you, <old> man, ooh. <laughs> I haven't
0: done that in a while, bro. I've good times. Oh, man. Thank you, bro. Thank Thanks. you for being on here. I appreciate being able to catch up with you. And uh, what uh, where can people find you on uh, social people media? People can
1: find me on social media, Instagram or uh, Twitter. It's Cesar, C-E-Z-A-R, Bononi underscore on both. I'm verified on both. So.
0: Okay. I'll make sure I put in the show notes. I'll, I'll put all your links and information in there in the show notes.
1: Great. That's it. Instagram and Twitter, that's where I am. Okay. Well, Hell goodbye, yeah. Man. Thank, Thank you, my you man. I appreciate you. Thank you.
0: Later, folks.